0: Hi, and welcome to a new year of Coco Disaster, the world's tastiest anime podcast. I'm Chorps Away.
1: And I'm Jordan.
0: And we're here, in this new year, to tell you about all the fall shows we watched.
1: Uh, that was a whole year ago.
0: Yeah, it's. it feels like it was just yesterday. <laughs> oh. Anyways, we watched a lot of shows for fall, and... They just finished, so we're here to talk about them and tell you what we thought about them before we get to the coveted Anime of the Year show. Hell yeah. But before we do that, we've got some news to tell you.
1: Tell me about it.
0: It's pretty short. There hasn't been a lot of stuff happening over the holidays. That makes sense. But we'll go over what has been happening. Mm-hmm. First off, we got an announcement that Welcome to the Ballroom is getting a TV anime. Yeah also known as Ballroom E. Yokoso. done at Production IG. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's airing this year. Oh, that's right. I believe it's coming in summer, which is pretty... That's a pretty quick turnaround.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I think two seasons is pretty normal for announcement to release time. Uh, maybe. Yeah.
0: But uh, at Production IG, it looks like handling something like ballroom dancing is going to go a bit better, because they always... Production IG always seems to have a better grasp of, like, keeping things on schedule and on point compared mm-hmm. to other studios. Totally. Because what I hear about uh ballroom is that it's very, like, immaculately, like, drawn and also, uh like, directed. Yes. For the manga. Mm-hmm. So being able to see a studio that seems to have the the stuff in place to be able to handle something like that is much appreciated.
1: Yeah. I've only read like two volumes of the manga so far, because it's that's all that's out in the West right now. Mm-hmm. But it's been pretty good so far, so I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, I hear great things about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it and how it turns out. That first PV, they already have a PV out and it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, it looks a lot like Haikyuu. It has very similar stylings. or It has a similar render style to it, I guess. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Then, also, we have a sub-release of a show that hadn't gotten picked up for like a year. Bayblade Burst is
1: finally available for streaming. Oh, okay. Thanks to Daisuke. Wait, isn't isn't that up on Netflix already? Or is that a different
0: one? Uh, That might be a different one, because they just started airing... A dub of it for Canada's Teletoon thing.
2: Yeah, the they ones did. that I
0: think handled all the other Beyblade dubs. But mm-hmm. yeah, so it's it's taken a while, but you know, it's here. It's more Beyblade.
1: I don't know why you'd even want the the sub when you can get that uh, amazing high quality dub they've got going <laughs> on right now. I'll put for the video <laughs> version. I'll put up a clip that's a really inspired, inspiring <laughs> performance.
0: Yeah, it always felt like Beyblade was the sort of show you'd want the dub for. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel that way about a lot of children's shows just because uh, they're always very goofy and sort of irreverent in a fun way.
1: Yeah. If, if you're not getting the Beyblade dub, then you're not getting Let's Beyblade as the theme song, which means you're missing out. Also, it seems like either there was a mistranslation before or this is a change
0: for the English, but his name is no longer Bart. It's a vault. Oh.
1: Which but, is probably a cooler name. Yeah, but... But Bart. I mean, Bart is, way, is a way more relatable name, so I don't know why they changed that. Yeah, I don't know. Then also,
0: we just had our preview show, and we were like, oh, Grand Blue
1: Fantasy, the animation. Yep, that is the extent, that is the extent of our opinion on it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And it's been
0: delayed to spring. Oops. Whoops. But they're going to do like an OVA special sort of thing ahead of time, I guess, to make up for that. Okay. But that's all. Uh, so do not look forward to
1: Jordan probably watching this until next season. Whoa. What a shame. I don't know where you pulled that probably from. It's more like possibly.
0: You're right. I guess I shouldn't have been quite as optimistic as I was in my (laughs) wishy-washiness.
1: No. That's the old me. (laughs) Then
0: we also have um, Seventh Expansion has announced that they're doing another When They Cry game. So that's like, that's Higurashi and Umineko.
1: Right. Is Is it the seventh one?
0: No, actually, this is just the third one. Oh. They're working towards it.
1: Yeah, they gotta hurry up. If they want to start living up to their names soon.
0: Uh, I know that company released a couple things in between uh, Umineko and this that were uh, poorly received. I think at best. And this has been announced to be extremely different from the other other games in the When They Cry series. So who knows how that's going to turn out. Maybe now they'll always cry. Yeah, maybe. I I also, looking this up, I forgot that they made a fighting game based off of these characters, and that's weird.
1: <laughs> that is weird. <laughs>
0: like, like, you take, you know, Nitro Plus Blasters has, like, it's a weird selection of characters, like, the, you know, the 12-year-olds that play basketball or whatever.
1: You're right, and Sonico.
0: Yeah, but some of these are, like, just 11-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I want these 11-year-olds to beat up these grown men or whatever. <laughs> And, like, so many of them are just, like, people, which is maybe <laughs> also a thing that makes it weird. Right. So it's just, uh, it's like the most average fighting game is just like, oh, these are just some dudes who can punch and kick. Oh, I love Rival Schools. Oh, oh, yeah. Rival Schools did that, but Rival Schools was cooler.
1: Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't know anything about this. So I won't pass judgment, but I'm going to assume Rival Schools is probably cooler. Yeah. It's in the name.
0: Yeah. You can't spell school without cool.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: And then, in some kind of depressing news... Oh, no. ...is the Nekopara adult visual novel got a Kickstarter to make an anime OVA, and it's already funded.
1: I don't even know what that is.
0: Oh, it's it's a visual novel where you're a dude who takes over a cafe...
1: I'm with this so and
0: far. The waitresses are cat girls, and you kiss oh, them okay. and their sisters oh. or something.
1: Oh, I mean, I, that's not that could that's not as bad as I was expecting. They also look like children. Oh, okay, now it's as bad as I was expecting.
0: <laughs> but they kickstarted for an anime OVA, and is like at the initial goal, it's twenty minutes, and for every a hundred thousand dollars afterwards, it's an extra
1: ten minutes. <laughs> I guess it's time for us to change our motto from support original anime to something a little less all-encompassing. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe. Because these mm-hmm. are dangerous
1: practices that we are...
0: <laughs> well, this isn't exactly original, It is based off a visual novel. Oh,
1: you're right, okay. We're still good.
0: We can still support original anime for now.
1: Yeah, hasn't been a bad original anime in years, so, you know. Yeah, no one's done it. Nope.
0: Oh, I just clicked on the page. They've got forty days to go, and they're already almost at four hundred thousand uh, dollars.
1: Jesus! <laughs> I read something really depressing the other day, and it was uh, it was a breakdown of the income for the website Kiss Anime. Uh huh. Kiss Anime being an illegal anime streaming website, and basically they rake in like thousands of dollars worth of profit. Maybe just raw income by, I think, profit daily, just based wow. on ad revenue. Uh, and, like, someone did the math and they were like, you can fund one pretty good anime production with just one year's worth of profit from Kiss Anime. And that's a really sad state of affairs in a way. That really is. Mm hmm. Ugh. Where were all these people
0: when better original Kickstarter anime <laughs> was coming out? Right? I remember
1: when Under the Dog, well... Well, with more money, they might have been able to do something more with it. Ah, uh, sure. I mean, it wasn't that bad, so I'm just being yeah. I'm just being sour grapes. But yeah, I remember that being, like, barely eking by. Like, I remember seeing it a couple of days before the Kickstarter was supposed to end, and it was nowhere close, so I actually don't know how it ended up making it, but... Yeah, where were you all then? Or when the Little Witch Academia Kickstarter was up.
0: Yeah, or Macau Day. I mean, Mikado did pretty alright, but it
1: could have done better. Mm -hmm. It could have had 1,000 patrons instead of just 999.
0: Yeah, it could have had three episodes instead of just two.
1: Oh, that would have been great. Now look at us. Support original anime.
0: Don't support Nekopara. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Oh, there we go. That's a good motto. Very universal. (laughs) Universally applicable. Here's
0: the weird thing about Nekopara. I'm pretty sure they released a VR version of one oh. of the games
2: uh-huh
0: <laughs> oh and it's got like four games under its belt it's ridiculous mm. uh. oh i don't want to talk about this anymore me neither there are good things happening though are you sure you know welcome to the ballroom that's happening oh yeah Grand Blue, that's happening. We talked mm. about the good things. Maybe we yeah. should have started with the bad thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's all of them. The two good things.
0: <laughs> the only two good things happening in this world. Mm-hmm. Thanks, 2017. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll get better later. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, that's enough of that. That's, yep. Let's take some time today now to talk about anime. Let's do it. Yeah. So, uh... First up is actually not a fall production. Jordan, uh, due to curiosity's sake, decided to watch
1: all of ReZero, starting life in another world over the season. Alright, I feel like that is, that is misdirection on your <laughs> part. I didn't watch it out of curiosity, I watched it because a lot of people were very positive about it, and I felt like I was obligated to at least give it a look for anime, Award considerations And by a look you mean 24 episodes worth of you, Well yeah because it's one of those Shows where you, it's it Supposedly doesn't come together Until it's over you know so I had mm-hmm. to I had to make it all the way through because otherwise When I slam it At our anime awards session next Week uh, right. people would come at me Swinging like oh Jordan how can you Judge an anime when you haven't even seen it Now I have And now you can judge it yeah, I can. And I do. All the time. Oof. So let's let's start off. Let's
0: talk about ReZero. Also, I meant 25 episodes.
1: Yeah, it's 25. At least I was twenty 26, you know?
0: Well, if you consider that the first episode's double length.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, and it also a lot of the time it doesn't have OPs and EDs. Which adds a lot of extra time. It does. Tell me about ReZero now. All right, here's the thing about ReZero, right? The plot is, is... it's The setup is your super run-of-the-mill uh, light novel nerd neat guy gets transported into a fantasy dimension and becomes the hero of that dimension. Uh, and then there's a little like, extra bit to make it more unique where every time he dies he comes back to life a day earlier or not a day earlier, but he goes back to a certain point and the point in which he revives, keeps changing like a checkpoint system in a video game, it's sort of like edge of tomorrow, but not really okay. uh, the thing that makes it different is that it's sort of like a deconstruction in some ways, especially in terms of what the main character Subaru is capable of and That he doesn't really get to be the hero in a way that, like, classically a lot of characters in the story do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, like, like it for that, like it for, like, deconstructing it and sort of being a little bit more real in a lot of ways than other contemporaries in the same genre. And I can say definitively, you know, this is what needs to be said about ReZero. It's all right. It's okay. Okay. Um, it's well, I'd say it's below average in the grand pan, in, like in the pantheon of anime total, but within this g- genre, I think it's pretty good. Um,
0: Perfectly acceptable.
1: Yeah, I feel like whenever there's an anime that I think, oh, that looks bad, and then other people say actually it's good, and then I go and watch it. A lot of times it turns out that it it's it was bad and I was right and I don't see why other people <laughs> like it. it it's not always like that, but it happens pretty often um uh-huh. this time was a little this time was a little bit different because i came in i came out of it still not liking it, but I saw what I recognized what other people liked and i and it okay. is there and it is and there are parts of it that are good and people like it for those reasons and the reasons as to why I think it's bad, aren't the reasons why people like it, which is what it's often like for those other shows. Okay, like I don't know, JoJo's, yeah. Okay, we'll go sure. with that. Um, so here's what's good about this show, I think, uh, and it, well, maybe not inherently good, but at least it's something that other people appreciate, and that's that it's really challenging. Um, Subaru is like this huge loser nerd, like. I don't know, like the 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 Kirito shitty asshole variety. That's like super common in this sort of light novel story. But the difference is that he doesn't, like, he doesn't end up getting that hot chicks, and he doesn't end up being the big hero who saves the day. He's constantly going around getting owned. Uh, His the main object of his like desire is always like talking trash about him, putting him down, and all that. She's really nice, but she doesn't take crap from him for no reason, and that's pretty good. But I think. A lot of the problems that the show run into is that even though it tries to sort of deconstruct and dissect the transported to a fantasy realm light novel genre, it still runs into a lot of those trappings and it still runs into a lot of amateur writing issues. Because this is... a uh, Zero, as far as I know, was the first series written by the author. So the issues that it runs into include... uh just bad character writing in general, like pretty much none of the dialogue in this series is inspired or it's fun to listen to. Uh Maybe like on a conceptual level it is sometimes, but like the actual moment to moment back and forth is boring pretty much across the board. A lot of time is wasted doing nothing. And the show has, struggles with finding time to like explain stuff and that's like a weird dichotomy that really has no business being there there's a part where there's a series of um, repetitions of the events because Saru tries to do something and he dies that is where three in a row it's super similar and there was that is something like two episodes and there was really no reason to show most of that they could have just cut it like a montage and it's all just wasted time And then just in general, like some of this stuff serves as a deconstruction, but I feel like a lot of the, a lot of stuff about it is still just like super run of the mill light novel crap. Like one of the characters has a really angsty, lame backstory that is just has no business even being there. Like it doesn't even really add anything to the story. There's a big army clash at the end. That's just super generic and boring and just uninspired. And then some of the deconstruction stuff I think just really doesn't work. Like, one of the the big things that people often praise about this show is the way in which Subaru as a character slowly starts to, like, fall apart. Like, he comes in this world cocksure, I and he's going to be the one who changes everything around him. And then eventually, like, multiple times in a row, there are moments where he, he just sits in front of a character and just starts bawing his eyes out and just, like pouring his heart out to these people, but it's not really like that because these breakdowns he have read, like, Adobe PowerPoint presentations. Like, he's just running through points about how he feels with no specifics, with, like, so little personality to them. And that's really... That's, like, the main thing that made me realize that this show was kind of weak. Like, the first time Subaru has, like, his big character breakdown, I was like, all right, is, is this... If this is the best you got then we're probably not going to be dealing with a good show here and I think I was right. Ah, that's a shame.
0: But you can you can empirically say that you have seen your way through the entire thing. No one can say, "Oh, well you missed this."
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what about the babes, Jordan? What about the hot anime babes?
1: Um man, you know, there there was a big really unfortunate overtone of the feudalistic empire being good and maybe the more like modern city-state sort of Warsaw Pact-esque uh, like countries or nations being bad. Uh, there's a scene re- uh, like about halfway into the show that really made me very unhappy because it is a part where Subaru sort of, for the first time, gets confronted with how awful the system of government is in this world. And he does something fundamentally stupid that ends up completely ruining the situation for a lot of the people he cares about. And that's supposed to be a really bad thing. Like, it's this big character-changing moment. But I think the fact that we're supposed to just accept that Subaru shouldn't have done that, like, I don't know how to put it, um... The idea, the idea that Subaru is just supposed to look at all this and take it as it is and not be like super freaked out and uncomfortable with it is ridiculous. Like the system of government in this country is absolutely awful. And anyone who gets trans, would get transported there from a modern society would have a huge freak out just from living in this world. And the idea that he gets like s- punished for it, like just in a huge way where the story's tone is, I find that a little bit insulting. And then. Because it's like there, there's never any comeuppance for the world, for the, for the kings and the queens and the knights. There, even though we see them do terrible stuff and just run this country in an awful way, that is just supposed to be okay. Like that's just the way it works. And that's never fully explored. And I really don't like that. And then the two sort of like weird Russian leader characters, you know, they're the, they're the funny, shitty bad guys. And that really sucks, man. Like, that makes me really uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. And then, in the end, Subaru just gets to be the hero anyway. Like, supposedly has a character development where he has to ask other people for help and really rally these people together against a big threat that just sort of comes out of nowhere and doesn't really have anything to do with anything. But he still gets gets all the praise in the end. And I feel like, ostensibly, his character develops, but he's still basically the same person at the end. And I don't know. I think it's cool that he constantly gets put down for, like, his shitty hero antics, but it just, it was not enough. And on the whole, the story was still just kind of empty and not particularly interesting. And that's it. That's or I wish I hadn't seen it. (laughs) It was a huge waste of time. Like, um, it was just a a crappy run-of-the-mill light novel with a couple of good elements.
0: But it took, you know, for the seasons it was airing, it took this community by storm like
2: it yeah
0: it was huge for you know for the things it did and it's it's kind of nuts
1: yeah and i don't really understand why it got so popular i mean i do to the degree that people like this sort of stuff you know people love these light novel action adaptations but i don't really understand why this one especially when this one is probably like kind of a hard watch for a lot of people who like other shows like this, because this show does ch- challenge, uh, like the bl- basic story premises of these other shows and sort of goes out to say, Hey, this type of character is bad and you should feel bad for relating to him. Hmm. You know? So I don't know if people just don't pick up on that or if a lot of people generally shot, genuinely saw this show and thought, yeah, you know what? That is wrong. And I'm glad re zero taught me that. I don't know. Hmm. Because he doesn't even get the hot babe at the end, you know? <laughs> the hot babe is like, hey, if you want, we can just skip town and, like, all these other people can go die and we're going to live together. And we're just going to – I'm just going to be, like, your subservient maid wife and we're going to love each other for the rest of the time. And he's like, no, I can't do that. I got to save this country.
0: I think god he has some,
1: you know, priorities. Yeah. And that was supposed to be a great moment, but it just uh, – it comes up short because it's – the character writing is just not good enough, man. Mm-hmm. But I do like, I like that there's a dichotomy between the character of, between his love for Emilia, which is sort of like the, the, the sweet princess. That's and, the white haired girl, right? Yes. And then Rem, that's okay. the blue haired girl who is like, uh, the, the maid. Right. The one everyone likes. Yes. And Emilia represents, uh, Subaru. Having to push forward as a human being and like really be introspective and look at himself and see how he can improve, and then Rem is willing to take him as he is and sort of she represents his complacency. And in the end, like she proposes to him and he says no, I can't do that. I gotta save this country, and that's like his big uh, like character um, redemption moment, I guess. And it's that's okay moment. I think it could have been better, Um, but I'm glad that's in here. And I think if you if you think Rem is hot and want her to be your wife, then I think you completely missed the point of the entire show. <laughs> well thanks for the update. Yeah, you're welcome. More like re zero out of ten. Oh, damn. Nah, it's more like four out of ten, I think.
3: Okay.
0: But yeah, thanks for the thanks for the catch up. You know, as uh as only two anime fans with very um particular tastes we don't cover shows like this a lot of the time no we don't so i'm glad that some someone was willing to take the plunge and also that it
1: wasn't me but i feel like there were less of these this year than there were last year
0: uh yeah
1: last year we got in we got inundated with light novel sort of etchy action-y shows mm-hmm. this year we had re-zero and i think a second season of asterisk war uh that might have been this year yeah and then the rest of them just Totally flew under my radar, like I couldn't even tell you about any of the other ones just from memory. hmm uh, let's talk about good shows.
0: Yeah. Let's let's start off our fall retrospective with uh, the Great Passage, Funiwa Amu. Yeah. That was it was really good. And mm-hmm. it was in in some ways, like some of the elements were really surprising in the way that they were handled.
1: Uh what do you mean? Give me an example.
0: So, uh last time we spoke. We're at the end of something like episode 5? Yes. Right? And somewhere 5 or 6, there's just a point where it just skips 10 years.
1: Oh, yeah, that does happen, right.
0: Like, so, um, yeah, I think that would have been at the end of the time, because we were talking about the love letter.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: Kaguya... Um, responds to the love letter and is like oh, you know, let's let's try this I think you're really interesting and let's talk some more. And then 10 years skip Yeah. and Majime is in charge of the dictionary um, the dictionary staff and he's married to Kaguya and there's a new staff member coming in, kind of like Majime did originally mm-hmm. and that's
1: uh, Midori And Misashi is out of the department or Nishioka, I guess
0: yeah, Nishioka has moved on to PR. Um, the the really old guy, uh, Matsumoto, is like sort of working freelance in between going to the hospital.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then we have Araki, who's the other older gentleman, who, again, also I think works part-time there. Yes. So, whole thing sort of changed. is the only one there, basically. Mm-hmm. Along with um, Kaoru, the... Uh, the woman who is kind of like in charge of management, yes, and we have this new girl come in named Midori who's come in because she uh she had some issues at her previous job that it brings up at a fashion magazine where she kind of refused to edit in certain places <laughs> like she she takes the, it's brought up that she takes this very um she takes a real importance in the word choices she's choosing to talk about fashion and stuff. And so she is very stubborn about some of them. Yeah. To the point where she's gotten into fights with her boss (laughs) and people. So she gets moved to the dictionary department. And, it you know, there's this whole discovery kind of like with Majime where it's like, Oh, Midori discovers, you know, the importance of words and all this is what makes you so well-equipped for this job because you have such a a different perspective and an important perspective on this very specific thing, in her case fashion. Mm -hmm. And so this story is still about Majime and finishing this, but it's also about Midori in a number of ways. Like, suddenly she's the new person. It's kind of like there are two shows or like two (laughs) seasons worth of things going on in one, and it it doesn't feel wrong. No. Like, that that 10-year skip is baffling, but you don't feel like you've really missed anything. Like, it basically just progress has been made, but nothing that, like, would make you go, oh, well, I wish I'd seen this in a way. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It was really yeah. weird, because I knew it was coming, because I've, I've read the... Or I've experienced some of the source material, but I still didn't notice until... Someone literally said that it was t- 10 years had passed. Like at one mm-hmm. point, uh, Majime makes an offhand ref- reference to Kaguya being his wife. And I thought it was a joke, something that I- it was a lie by him at first. Uh huh. And then, I- and I- then I didn't notice that time had passed. I think I, I did notice at some point, like when they, s- oh yeah, it was when they said that they were uh, getting to the end of working on the dictionary. I realized, oh, the time skip happened.
0: Yeah. And like he's got his slick back hair and like. Yeah. You can sort of see kind of, like, old age lines showing up on him and uh, his wife, like... Mm-hmm. They're very subtle things.
1: is the only one who looks noticeably different after the time skip. Like, he gets a totally different haircut.
0: Yeah, but he's working in PR. That's hell.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I feel bad for him.
0: Yeah. But uh, he's gotten married at this point, too, which is cool. Yeah. Like, that subplot of him dating someone inside the company, which isn't allowed, didn't really go anywhere? But I think that's okay.
1: Well, it it does resolve in the sense that at first he's not comfortable with being open about it, and he's, like, really scared that they're gonna get found out, but eventually he decides to just throw caution to the wind and yeah, just, like, uh, yeah, you know, okay. walk with her in public and all that.
0: Yeah, you'd have a point, like, they go to dinner and stuff because he's he sees how, like, disgustingly open machime is with his, like, love letter and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess it does resolve in that way, but it's, like, it's brought up as, like, a problem and then basically it's just fine. Yeah. And it, that's not an issue. That's not a problem. No. And so, it's, the rest of the story is basically just, like, the struggles of finally having to kind of, like, finalize this dictionary. Yeah. Because they have a short arc where they've forgotten a word, Like, through the entire thing, somehow they've skipped over this word and they've made it to, you know, their final print. And so suddenly Mm -hmm. they have to, like, hire in basically, like, paid interns to do a check of all, you know, 240,000 words or whatever to make sure they don't miss anything. They're not really paid interns, they're like temps. I guess so. Temps is probably a better word. Yeah. And so they have a whole arc about that. Mm -hmm. And through this time, they're also trying to figure out, like, oh, you know, once this hits, The printers, do we have the right, you know, paper on this book? Will everything look all right? Uh, Nishioka has made this, uh, this mascot, which plays into sort of the, like, let's learn about dictionaries shorts that happen in the middle of every episode. Yeah. Which is like a neat little touch. Mm hmm. There's, it's just a lot of, uh, and then by the end, they, they finish it and it's great. Like, it, it, the whole, it's a very inconsequential sort of story, but it right. tells everything it needs to in its eleven episodes. It doesn't feel like you've missed anything. It feels like there's enough like open that you could do more with this world, but it doesn't have to be done. Yeah, like Midori going on a date with the with the the paper boy. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't need to go anywhere, but that just shows this, you know, these development of characters and the way that they've grown over the, you know, year or two years or however long this, sec- this second bit is.
1: You know, I don't think it's an inconsequential show, because I think in the end it's about uh, Majime learning to commit and be determined. Inconsequential
0: maybe not the right word, but such a sort of, like, light story. It's such a, like, a fading story, like one that's, you know, by the time that, you know, as time passes, no one will remember any of this kind of thing.
1: Right. I guess so.
0: It's not big, but it's so important for all these characters because all of them develop in these very different ways.
1: Right. It's cool. It is cool, except for that one really awful <laughs> author filibuster section in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, I was going to bring this up.
0: Yes, yeah, so the last episode has this r- really weird part, and you should probably describe it.
1: Okay, so during, uh, the final episode, all the characters, like, after everything's finally done and the book, the dictionary has been sent to the presses, uh, the, the elder professor, or not the professor, but like the, the old dude who was working on the dictionary with them, the goes original on staff this... of the dictionary comes
0: together for like one last meeting of like, man, it's finally being done.
1: Yeah. And the old dude goes on this micro-tirade about how it's a good thing that in Japan that there are no state-funded dictionaries. That all dictionaries are um commercial because the government would just interfere with the content of the dictionary. Which is a really bizarre thing just to have this character say out of nowhere to begin with. And... Especially because of the final thing we, uh, he, we ever hear him say. Like, the <laughs> final thing he ever says is this right-wing garbage. It's just like, capitalism is good. And then the next time you hear about him, he has died. Yeah, he died of cancer. And it's like, damn. And it also makes no sense, because something like half of the arcs of the story is about the company interfering with them making the dictionary.
0: Yeah, like, not with the content of the dictionary, but they're constantly interfering with, like, hey, so this isn't profitable, do something else.
1: Yeah, or get cancelled. Right. Uh,
0: It's such a... so
1: weird! It has nothing to do with the story, I don't understand. That was in the movie, too, that's the worst part. That is part of... (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> like, didn't, like... In a movie, like, you could, you only have two hours to tell the story. Oh, let's leave in this weird tirade. Ugh. I mean, I guess in some ways it plays into the whole arc of the story, but it's so poorly worded and comes out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, that had just... It had no room being there. Like, it's so... It's weirdly mean-spirited for this show. Yeah, like, I, I... I even thought, like, the bit where, um... The Iraqi,
0: or, uh, the, the other old guy. Yes. Has, has a point in that same conversation where when he, when, um, Matsumoto brings up, oh, you know, the, in, in America or whatever, the government helps pay for dictionaries. And Araki just is just like, I am disgusted by the <laughs> lack of appreciation <laughs> of culture by Japanese government. And it's like, excuse me. <laughs>
1: Right, but then he gets, like, overridden by the old dude, just completely. Well, sure, but that's just, that also seemed out of place, and it just led yeah. to a weirder sort of conclusion. Oh, that was such a bad moment. In an otherwise, like, really good show.
2: hmm
0: But I think outside of that, it it does tell a nice story. It feels like these characters are real and sort of, like, develop in their own different ways to a common conclusion.
1: Yeah, It's nice. It's nice, and it looked really good, too. That's something we mentioned in the first episode as well, I think, but my appreciation of the visual in the show have only grown since then.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: Because, you know, I I mentioned last time, there's, like, these occasional moments where the animation's really extravagant, and there's, like, just a lot of movement, and it's beautiful. But even just, like, in the regular cuts, there are these parts where characters move in this... In this way that just has flow and, and and it has bounce to it, whereas a lot of anime, you know, anime's anime is made on really hellish production schedules a lot of the time, which mm. means that for animators just don't get to put love into all of their cuts because they just don't have time for that. A lot of them they just have to speed through them as linearly and as simply as possible. And I feel like in this show there was very little of that. Even all the simple animations had. Uh you know it, it, they all moved in a really beautiful way like just maybe limbs not moving linearly and having like that little bit of bounce right as they stop moving or a character turning and first turning their head and then turning their torso like a real human being does and there was a lot of that and I thought that was great
0: Yeah there's you can still see by the end there are a couple like cuts that aren't quite up to the standards but for the most part like in the animation part it's still that sort of attention to detail is still held.
1: Totally. I mean, yeah, there are some parts that don't totally look up to snuff, uh, and, and that's just going to happen. But I think the ratio of interesting like uh, bits of animation to just ones that are good enough is probably better in this show than it is in most.
0: Yeah, like as I'm sitting now, I can only think of one particularly bad cut. Yeah. So, you know, overall, it has a very strong uh, production throughout.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of shows out there that people praise for, like, consistent and high quality animation. Like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. Kabaneri or Haikyuu, maybe, you know, shows like that. Yeah. But I don't remember the last time where I was just paying attention to the screen all the time because I just wanted to see how they were going to handle the next bit of character movement. And this show really made me do that.
0: Yeah, it's so different because this is maybe the least dynamic show uh, of the year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's about people sitting and talking about dictionaries.
1: And they made it beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. And you know what? I've come around on the intro too. I think it's pretty good now.
0: It it still seems um less fitting maybe. Yeah. Than a song like the ending. Mhm. Cuz it's like it's, it's it is a weird like Pop, you know, pop song very loud that then pop leads song, into yeah. this very super mundane situation.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's
0: yeah, it's not a bad song. Mm-hmm. That's funny, Wamu. That was it was good. Yeah, uh, I'm sad Amazon still hasn't released it in English anywhere besides the UK.
1: Yeah, thankfully we don't have to worry about that next season.
0: Yeah, we don't have to worry about the Amazon show. But it's like I I wonder what. Happened that they decided this season they weren't going to simul release it because they did in the UK and like you could just do that like it's it's weird,
1: right? Yeah, like it's I assume they don't have to do much more than like someone just setting it up like it's all done. They just have to make a page for it and that's it. I don't get it.
0: Yeah, and like Control F deletes of use you yeah. know, but that's that's about it. Like.
1: <laughs> right <laughs> what a weird thing it's a shame
0: yeah it's it's just it's it's just weird but when it you know when it releases if you haven't seen it already i implore you to at least check it out
1: i wonder if that if the the situation would have been different if they had gotten the uh the noitamina the rights to the noitamina block one season earlier because before kavanary the show that aired on Tamina was erased
0: Oh, that would have been huge.
1: Yeah. So I wonder yeah. if maybe if if it had been like that, if they were still riding that Erased and the Kavaneri train. Mostly the Kavaneri train, but... Well, I guess mostly the Erased train, but Kavaneri is about a real train, so you know.
0: Right. Works out. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Next season, they got Scum's Wish, so let's see how that works out for them.
0: Yeah. That seems like a show other people will watch. Maybe. This is maybe one of the most art arthouse uh, anime this year. Like where it feels like it's it's the sort of thing that isn't like commercially.
1: Oh, okay. Really, I'm not sure like, if I would say powerful. I'm not sure if I would say art house because it wasn't really out there, but it's it's close to like being an indie movie, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Totally.
0: Look, what I'm saying is Funiwamu was the Juno
1: of the anime. Oh yeah, no, no, no. It's what I think. It's that movie about the. Uh, the creation of the FIFA Association of anime, except good, okay, and not in incredi- and not released right after the massive fraud scandal of the aforementioned <laughs> oh, that's organization. Unfortunate. Yeah,
0: I don't even know which movie you're talking about, but that sounds really unfortunate. Maybe, maybe
1: there is a big dictionary fraud going on in Japan right now. There was a movie about the creation of the FIFA organization, right mm-hmm. as it turned out that FIFA sucked a lot and <laughs> was doing really awful things to a lot of people. Cool. Yeah.
0: But that's Funiwamu. Yeah,
1: I love it. Yeah.
0: Oh, it was good.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally. It was great passage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And now I'm here to talk to you about the ending of uh, Poco's Udon
1: World. Tell me about it.
0: Poco's Udon World is still really weird to me where it's like, I get what it's trying to do with the relationship between Sota, the main character, and Poco, the the raccoon tanuki child, mm-hmm. but something still just feels so off conceptually to me about treating Poco as a child. Okay, <laughs> because like that tanuki is an animal, and like while it does take human form, like it takes a human form on its own accord, like, it is only a child because it has decided that children are the thing that, you know, that people are less likely to attack or whatever. Hmm. Like, as a defense mechanism, it's just, it's something that I can't ever get out of my head and I really
1: wish I could, because I'd probably like this show more. That is a rather unfortunate philosophy. I see what you're saying.
0: And also, like, so many more plot points became about the fact that Poco is a tanuki. Which made uh-huh. it even harder to sort of make this distinction. So, like, there's there's a whole bit, and I think this this was pretty charming, where um, the guy who almost caught Poco in his uh, his Tanuki form before, uh, mm-hmm. one of Soda's ex co-workers, shows up at the countryside and almost catches um, Poco again because Poco is using so much like Tanuki magic that he can't keep his human form anymore okay. as consistently. And so, like, this, this guy, Hiroshi, almost catches Poco just completely, uh, Tanuki. Oh, no. And to distract him, uh, Sota kind of has this big speech about, like, would it change how you felt about Poco and this relationship you have with him if it did turn out that he was an animal? And the realization that Hiroshi makes is, no, Poco is still this, this person that I've had these experiences with in a way that it doesn't matter if they are a real human or not. They still mean a lot to me. And Soda comes to that conclusion as well. Okay, Which that, that does do some of that. But then like the entire last two episodes end up revolving around a conflict of like um, Poco getting so startled by fireworks at new years that uh, the tail pops out and he runs away like ashamed of the fact that he couldn't keep himself as in human form to help like sort of protect soda okay and it's just i don't know that 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 conflict continues to in my mind just be such a like conflicting thing to what the messages are trying to be about which mm-hmm. is about um soda's reconnection with his father and his life post his father's death
1: yeah yeah that is a little weird
0: and so i don't know it it's just it's one of those things where i feel like these two things end up like Conflicting with each other for space. Uh huh. But it also ends in this really nice moment where it turns out that, like, Poco, this whole time, has been existing in the same, uh, has been existing in kind of Soda's world while he was in the countryside. Like, he's seen all the moments with, uh, his father and stuff. Like, Soda has this gash and, like, this, the, he got, cause he got run over. At some point, he can't remember why. And it turns out it was because he saved Poco when Soda was a child from getting hit by a car. Okay. It's like through this whole thing, uh, Poco has been watching over him and sort of like looking into his life and seeing all these moments that Soda missed with his father about like how much his father really cares about him. And, you know, despite him not taking over the family business, he's proud that Soda is doing something that he loves and he's found his real passion.
1: And that makes it even more weird that he takes the form of a child.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't know. It's it it is just this thing that I I can't I can't separate from the rest of the show and I wish I could because I do like sort of that that ending. I like the idea that, you know, finally discovering the fact that your, you know, his father who he thought was just so disappointed in him was actually really happy with him just because he found something he loved to do because he didn't want to force him into the family business if he didn't love it. Right. And that you know that's a really nice, poignant thing, but it's just I don't know. Sometimes it's wrapped up in a weird part where he's taking care of a tanuki. Oh well. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's it. Yeah. It's it's certainly not like sweetness and lightling like we'd expect. It's not about fatherhood if it were, but it's about reconnecting with family and you know how different perspectives will change how you look at things. Which in that case, I guess that works with the whole like. Poco is not technically a child, but through this perspective, you still make this deep bond with someone. Okay. But it's... I don't know. It's just still something that weirds me out in a way.
1: Here's what I want to know. Yeah. I've been hearing... uh, Like, I've heard multiple people express sort of the opinion that uh, the the cooking part of the show is basically just wasted time.
0: Yes. At some point, he finds, like, the recipe for his father's udon yeah and he's like oh i'm gonna try making this because it's here and so they do it and like there is one moment where like oh they're just like bonding over the fact that soda fucking sucks at cooking like he, (laughs) he he he's really bad at cutting the noodles so they just kind of mold together okay so basically it's just this huge long like sheet of noodle in the, in the soup or whatever. Oh, God. And it's like, oh, it sucked, but it's great because you're reconnecting with this part of your past that you had thrown away. And then it keeps doing that? Yeah. Like, in really inconsequential ways.
1: Right, that's what I meant. Like, I've heard a lot of people say that at a certain point, the, the cooking segments just lose their value to the show and are basically, like I said, just wasted time. And I was wondering if you thought the same.
0: Uh, to an extent, yeah. I don't know okay. wasted, but like, you could use it for something else, right? Because there a a lot of it is like re- repetition. Mm-hmm. I do think like the um the Bob the Builder like Teletubby esque sort of like ending bits for every episode are really charming, though. Right, because it is just like retelling the story of the episode, but like with some weird angle where like oh this this lion from space has to fight a demon or whatever, <laughs> but in the context of like you know, rediscovering childhood
1: or things like that. I mean, that's just every anime.
0: And it's very cute. And it, like, plays into the world because Soda quits his job in the city and takes one out here working on, like, the website for that show because it's also an in-universe thing. Okay. And so, like, they're showing up at, like, you know, concerts and, like, live performances of, you know, this lion Gao Gao Chan and his... uh his two female, like, mechanic buddies. Uh-huh. And it, it's it's really charming just to see that sort of, like, integration of something. Also, they dab a lot. Oh. <laughs> you know, anime of the in that way.
1: Oh, thank goodness.
0: But no, they have, like, a little dance they do to, like, the theme song or whatever, and one of the moves is extremely
1: a dab. Okay. You know, if I saw a TV show that kept mimicking events of my own life, but in a, a weird, cutesy action anime way, I think that would be really scary. <laughs> and I wouldn't want to work on a website for that.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I don't think he watches the show. Poco does. I assume oh, okay. he just tunes out like most parents. <laughs> Fair enough. I assume, like, my parents did when I forced them to go to the Poco, movie they fell asleep.
1: Oh.
0: I assume was the same way for Soda.
1: Speaking of dead parents...
0: Ooh, let's talk about Natsume. <laughs> yeah, Yujinsho. I'm really sad it ended early.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um. So, uh, Natsume Gensho has been running into some production issues, like to the point where they aired uh a, an original like a, a Blu-ray only OVA in place of an episode one week. Hmm. And they also cut off the broadcast two episodes short, and those are going to be Blu-ray exclusive. Well, one episode technically. No, it's two. They said twelve and thirteen.
1: Oh, right. But I mean, because one week was already filled. An up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So sorry, they canceled one episode. They're going to put two on the Blu-rays. I see what you mean.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. And yeah. you can feel it because it kind of ended just sort of, you know, that's it.
0: There is a there is a bit to that episode's ending that I find really good for the end of a season. Okay. But I. But also, yeah, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But uh, so last time we were here, what had
1: we ended on?
0: We had ended on the, the bird, the bird one.
1: The the one where he loses his voice? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah. So what's uh, weird about the second half is there's a lot of stories not about Natsume, but about the people around him.
1: Yeah, I noticed that too.
0: And I guess it it's not like bad, it's just one of those things that... I noticed is like this is very um, I guess especially for like a season that came so late after the others is like it's so big on these other characters Mm -hmm. but I think it does inform the the viewer about more of the world which is nice because so many of these stories are about Natsume to be able to see these other characters and how they interact with this world because so many of them come sort of fleshed out into yeah. the story. To be able to see them at their origins is really neat. Like, um, like, a uh, Natori, who is, like, sort of a mentor exorcist to Natsume, like, just kind of helps him out in times of trouble. Yeah. Or, like, the ki- the guy with the eye patch, uh, uh, Seiji. And then even his, like, foster parents, which I think th- the foster parents episode was honestly, like, the highlight, I think, of the whole series. Uh,
1: for me, the highlight of this season was the episode about his friends in. Like Tanuma's aunt's inn—that was my favorite one.
0: Okay, yeah, let's start there because that's where that's the next episode after this.
1: Yes, you want to talk about it? Oh, I mean, I guess I don't want to like spend too much time recapping it, but there's an episode. It's like Natsume goes to the the inn of uh, the aunt of a friend of his, and the story is sort of about uh, a bunch of yokai hanging around the inn trying to get this mask back, and in the end, the the mask the mask like falls back into the hands of the people it belongs to we find out that this individual who has always been a friend to uh natsume's friend Tanuma is one of the yokai as well and i thought that was a cute little twist
0: yeah and it's 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 so much about like sort of you know it because there's all kinds of hints in there about like oh if you know someone you knew was actually a yokai would it make you feel any different sort of Poco esque you know mm-hmm. there's sort of like does, does the nature of the person that you've spent so much time with change this, the moments you've had with them? Yeah. And is, you know, he, they keep it a secret so that the aunt can sort of like disappear at this point now that she's been discovered. Uh huh. And it's, it's this, it's, it's got this really nice story to it of just like sort of these, these, uh, moments that disappear. And it comes back multiple times again. This, this idea that the nature of the person that you like doesn't matter. What matters is the, the moments you spend with them, sort of. Right. And then we have the backstory for Natsuri and Seiji. And that's a that's a neat little look into The Exorcists, which are sort of this, this villainous, pseudo-villainous entity that exists in Natsume that we don't get a lot of story about. And how Notary comes from this clan of basically like dying exorcists, and how he's going to be hunted down because of what his family did previously, and the, his perspective versus someone like uh, Seiji, who's so into sort of the power, um, the power fantasy that being an exorcist gives. Right. And builds up this whole story about like why he has the eye patch and why that's such an important thing and why his family's feared. Which are things that have come up previously in this season and other seasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We have the we have the story of the little yokai who looks up to that traveling like basically godhead figure. Yes. And that one, I feel like I have a lot of things I think about that one, and I'm trying to trying to put them all together. It's sort of fascinating in the way that like it does have a happy ending, but also has a very strong like moral to it of like sometimes you just can't be with the person that you admire or with these people that you feel this deep connection to. Yeah. Just because their existence is on a completely other plane than yours. Like it is a very magical sense, but it's also, you know, it's a very relatable sort of thing. Like not everyone is going to be able to be friends with everyone. Not everyone's going to be able to interact with each other. And sometimes all you can do is look from the side and sort of like, Try to be the best you can in that way.
1: Right. I thought it was weird that they gave that episode a a, a sort of happy ending, where in the end, yeah, it
0: was it was weird that they came back and it's sort of like, well, you're gonna have to, you're, we're gonna really whip your ass, and I hope you can keep up. You know, yeah, sort of. thing. Well,
1: the what happens is they they tell the little yokai at first, despite all the hard work he put in trying to get into this, uh, like god figures clan they say no you can't do it it just you're just not ready for it and then eventually it turns out that was a fake out they're gonna let him in anyway but he's gonna really have to work hard and i thought that was weird i thought the the ending before the fake out was more poignant
0: yeah i think yeah i thought so too
1: but it was still a good episode and the mushroom head guy was really cute
0: yeah and i think it's a really nice thing we're also like he he starts out just like oh i'm gonna use natsume to help me get to this figure but like at the time where he considers sacrificing Natsume to them, he makes this realization that doing that kind of disavows all the hard work he's put in to try to meet this person again. Yeah. And I think that's a really nice moment. Mm-hmm. Then we have the episode about Natsume's foster parents before uh, they, they get Natsume. Yes. And they've done... A story sort of like this, but from Natsume and some of his, like, acquaintances' perspectives. Seeing it from the parents' perspective is, I think, really nice. Yeah. And I think it has this really good through line of this, this crow that, um, Toko, his, his foster mother, continues to see while she works around the house. And thinking about how, you know, crows are only lonely because they haven't found a partner or their partner has died. Yeah. Because they're one of those, those animals that does not like find a new mate when they die. Mm hmm. And this wondering whether, you know, what, what part of its life it's in. And Toko kind of realizing that there is something, maybe there's something missing in her life. Even though they seem to be having a very happy married life, she seems to be interested in sort of, you know, something else. Yes. And then Shigeru goes to sort of an extended family's funeral. And meets Natsume for the first time, and everyone's talking about him like real shitty. Yeah. And because it's like, oh, he's such a problem kid, he has all these like freakouts and panic attacks and things, and no one's able to deal with him. He just keeps going from family to family and no one can handle him. And Shigeru gets really mad and brings up the idea with Toko that they're gonna bring this kid in. And it's just, it's, I don't know, there's, it's this really great sense of like, this isn't. Their child, at the time, they don't even know him, but this, this like, dedication to being these good parents and, like, trying to take care of this kid no matter what kind of problems arise is really, like, heartwarming, I think. Yeah, it is. And also, by the end, like, with Natsume coming back, you know, Toko sees the crow again, and there's this moment where Natsume sees a white you know, some kind of white crow along with the other crow, which turns out to be a yokai because Toko can't see it but Toko still finds this like comfort in the idea that you know everyone's found their certain someone and kind of built this you know everyone's building this family around her yeah oh it's cool uh, i i really like that episode
1: that was a really good episode i feel like this whole season or maybe the whole show i don't know has a through line of either letting go or learning to find something new to love
0: yeah, and that's that's definitely true. Yeah. And even with like uh something as like inconsequential as the last episode. Um that's the one where he gets sick, right?
1: Yes, where he gets the flu. Yeah.
0: There's the one where he gets the flu and like the whole story is basically about these two these two like kind of like comedy duo yokai that have been hanging around with him since like season 1. Mhm. And so they they're like, "Oh, we need to take care of Natsume because if we don't have... Well, okay, so first of all, they take him to, like, this this ledge that has this really beautiful, like, f- these beautiful flowers blooming. Mm-hmm. And it ends up giving Natsume, like, a really bad cold. And yeah. so they decide, like, oh, you know, Natsume, uh, th- it's no fun if we can't just, like, pick on this kid. <laughs> so let's go get him a medicine. And, like, it seems like he's got, like, basically yokai cold. Right. Like, he's got some kind of non-natural cold. And so they're like, oh, we can go to this dragon guy and he'll give us medicine. Dragon guy's like, hey, someone knocked over all my lanterns. Can you go fix them? And they're like, sure. And then suddenly they see this, you know, like, hundred line long thing of lanterns that have been
1: pushed over. But they're going to do it for their friend.
0: Yeah, but they still do it for their friend. They they still care so much about Natsume and eventually give him this medicine. And they're so proud of themselves. And they're telling all the rest of, like, Natsume's, like, group of yokai buddies about him And they're like... That's not for humans. And they go, oh, but he gets better. So it's okay.
1: So it's okay. Thank God.
0: And there's this really nice moment at the end where, like, the two of them are collecting flowers to help him feel better. And Natsume shows up as like, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, you're 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 okay. Well, whatever. Uh, and as Natsume walks away, they sort of float, throw the flowers into the air. And there's this really nice moment of just, like, a shot of Natsume as the flowers go by him in this very nice kind of just scene mm-hmm. that helps to end off the season.
1: I really like this show. I like that. It's just about people caring about each other. That's a good change of pace.
0: Yeah. And like, it's, it's so much about how the people who don't do that are wrong. Yeah. You know, it's, it's got such a, it's got such a strong handle on its own sense of like wrong and right. Mm-hmm. Because even when people do things that they're not supposed to, they're, they're done. they you know, reasoning is so much more important than just action. Yeah. Because not all, like, the exorcists are bad, but the ones that treat it as sort of like this, this power fantasy and who use these yokai as, like, slaves, more or less, are in the wrong, while the other ones who build these bonds and relationships with them, like, you know, the ability, you know, that, like, they should, in a way, they're, they're seen as better people. It's, it's nice. It is. Also, I really like, um, even Natsume's, like, human friends. Like the ones that can't see Yokai and don't interact with that? Because they're just like so normal, and it's nice that like even though Natsume has like a, a whirlwind of life, he still has these friends that are just, you know, they're they're there for him and they're they're doing nice things for him and they're just totally cool. Like uh yeah. oh who's the kid? I think his name's Satoru, who's yeah. just like the horniest kid alive. <laughs> Like, he's always like, oh, look at that hot babe. Oh, hot babes. You know, oh, you're going to go date someone like a hot babe? Like, there's just something really charming about the simplicity of those relationships that's very real and very nice.
1: Absolutely. I think watching this show has given me a different outlook on a lot of other shows because characters in or the the human characters, at least in the show, just hang out and are just kind of like, you know, nice to each other and they chill with each other. And in a lot of other shows, there's always, like, even in light slice-of-life shows, there's always this weird, inhuman tension that gets built up for absurd reasons a lot of the time. This show isn't like that.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And it kind of makes me look at a lot of other shows that I used to think were good with maybe a little bit more contempt. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, can you think of anything particular that you're thinking about? Uh, No. Well... Maybe, like almost every just standard show that is about a group of characters, like even maybe Haikyuu or something like Soul Eater, you know, where there's just mm-hmm. a group of characters that are all sort of exaggerated caricatures, and because, at least a little bit, and because of that, the way they interact with each other is also exaggerated and sort of weird. And Natsume is one of those rare shows where characters really do just act like humans to to each other, like have compassion for each other. Even a lot of really light shows, like Slice of Life shows, I feel don't have that a lot. Like, you know, they're always about creating strange scenarios, usually by way of characters acting in a way that humans don't really. And this Mm -hmm. show doesn't have anything like that. And that's a nice (laughs) change of pace. It is It is
0: so, like, out there in a way because it's so much about this mythology and stuff. Yes. But they're all these very, like, human lessons. Like, Natsume always learns something from the yokai, and the yokai always learns something from Natsume mm-hmm like it's 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 sort of it's beautiful i think in the way it handles sort of like making the inhuman human
1: absolutely there's actually a good contrast between the human characters and the yokai because i feel like you never really get to understand how the yokai think like their values are so different from that of all the human characters in this show And in a way, the human characters just being so just normal and just kind of run over the mill, real, run of the mill, really helps sell that contrast. And that's good, Mm -hmm. I think. It really helps make the humans feel more human and the yokai feel more magical and something that, and something that's otherworldly, I guess.
0: Yeah. Uh, And they've announced a new season, which, uh, hopefully through this one, they've kind of figured out sort of like the, the give and take so they don't have these sort of like production issues again. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm so. excited. I just, I, I absolutely love these characters and the story that they tell.
1: Yeah. I'm going to keep watching.
0: Yeah. You should, you should catch up on the other four
1: seasons now. <laughs> yeah, I probably will at some point.
0: Oh, they're, 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 they're more of this, which I think in, in this particular case is absolutely the best thing you could say about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. to I, there's very little about the show that I think I would change.
0: So, speaking of the supernatural...
1: I was going to say speaking of the otherworldly, because there's a lot of otherworlds in this one.
0: There are. It's
1: flip-floppers. It's flip-floppers.
0: So let's get this out of the way. You dropped it.
1: Yes. I dropped it uh, partway into episode five. Episode five is... That was the one where they go into the spooky mansion. Oh, the the school. Yes. All right. The spooky school. You're right. Yeah.
0: So let's, let's talk about that real quick.
1: Yeah, uh, I I was really into the first two episodes, and especially the third episode. That was like the (laughs) weird magical girl Mad Max one. That was a great episode. Yeah, and then episode four and five were just a lot less of that, and a lot more just character moments. And Flip Floppers has this really weird toned thing about it, where it constantly where or not where it switches between like this really over the top silly happiness and this really dark depressing dourness and that's that's a kind of tonal I don't want to say call it inconsistency but a kind of
0: dissonance
1: a, a tonal dissonance that I really sp- especially don't like and there was a lot of that in those two episodes back to back and I just I just wasn't enjoying it and I was not in the mood for it either
0: That's fair. Um I I get that.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll go back to it at some point.
0: Everything else before that is sort of like this very, like, fantastical magical adventure. Yeah. And then, like, 4 is just like an a, a, a exploration of characters outside of the magic world. Yes. And 5 is sort of, like, op- oppressive in the way that it presents sort of this horror format. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's cool that it does play with all these different genres with its worlds. Yeah. But I do understand why you wouldn't have been into it
1: yeah it was just it was just not what I was expecting out of this show, and also probably not what I want from it I think uh like especially based on the first three episodes, I'm not really hungering for a really like big sad character development out of these characters. I just want to see them go to cool worlds and do cool stuff, you know,
0: yeah, and uh if you continued with that, you would have gotten less of that um that's a thing that's been brought up a lot in criticism of this show, yeah, so we stopped. Brown's episode six, um, and so up to that point, sort of like the whole thing had been written as sort of like they go to different worlds, they have these adventures, and you know things things happen because of it. Characters change, develop, etc. Yeah. And uh, at that point, they actually changed writers, and this apparently oh. had been planned since the beginning. Okay. And it's very clear that the first one was very big on sort of setup and these thematic story moments. Mm-hmm. Or thematic moments, I guess, for characters. And yeah. seven through thirteen is a lot more interested in then finally going, okay, where does this all lead? It's very plot heavy. Okay. And so, uh, I think a lot of people had this this criticism of like the first half of the, the series is very, very different than the second half. Okay. And so, like, I don't know. I, I ended up, like, enjoying it for different reasons, uh, in a lot of ways, but I, I definitely see where that criticism comes from. All right. So by the second half, it suddenly becomes a lot about explaining what pure illusion is, how things got there, and all these other sort of mysteries that start piling up when you start to consider, you know, or when the characters start to consider, you know, the actual, like, what they're doing why are they collecting these fragments what does it mean
1: sort of thing going on that does not sound like it plays into the series strengths at all
0: yeah it's so weird they do go into other worlds like at one point they so it turns out that in pure illusion pure illusion is sort of a um a representation of someone's psyche okay and there's a little bit of that in episode 6 where they go into sort of the the mysteries of someone at their school or they go into the life of someone at their school who has this big hang up because of sort of past, um, situations with like their parents and their grandparents and the way that they sort of change that in the, in pure illusion affects how they are in the real world. Okay, And it plays into a little more of that with one where they go into, um, the, the roboticist for, um, the flip flap project. Yeah. Which is, um, it's, it's sort of this like cyberpunk, uh, Ava sort of robot battle thing that they do. Mm hmm. Which is neat. It's, it's a, it, that is definitely a return to sort of its strengths and it's just kind of flashy sort of nonsense in this very fantastical sort of world. Yeah. But then it, it deals with sort of this, you know, it's, it deals with Papika remembering these, these visions of a girl named Mimi. And Mimi is a girl that, Uh Papina thinks of Kokona as like sees these very similarities and sometimes messes up uh names because she's remembering this person.
1: Okay. And it it all
0: I don't even know if I want to wrap it up plot wise. Should I should I just tell you basically what's going on or
1: uh I mean I don't think you should spoil the conclusion, I guess, but
0: Yeah, but there and there's all this sort of like development around that that's just so so different from the beginning but plays into one big thematic sequence throughout this entire thing okay which is about um kokona's resistance to going on these adventures and sort of kokona's school life like we've seen in like the first episode and stuff yeah it's so much about Coconut doesn't want to make these decisions. Coconut doesn't want to do these things because she's, and like get out there and, you know, sort of be independent because she's so scared of the idea of messing up.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: so the big, the big conclusion of this is even if you're scared of moving forward and doing these like things that, you know, don't always feel like logical and have these huge risks attached to them, you can't just not do them it's okay. it's important that you learn to move forward and stuff like that that's sort of the the big through line of the story and it does that in a lot of um interesting ways some more or- overt than others but even from the very beginning you see moments of that where like it's not that she it's not that coconut is disliking the things that she's doing it's just that she has this huge resistance to kind of putting herself out there Right. And it's, uh, I, I do think that's really cool. There is, um, there are moments of like, sort of like queer self discovery that are in there. Like, there's a whole episode about Coconut coming to terms with the fact that Papika is this, this kind of roller coaster of different emotions and all these different sides of her that she has to kind of reconcile and come to terms with the fact that she does, you know, she, she is into Papika. She likes Papika for who she is and not just the individual parts that cater more to who Kokuma is. Alright. And it's it it's it's very neat. It is um it is very openly um it is very open in a lot of ways about their relationship with sort of one of the final big things is like their their magical girl costumes sort of turn into like pseudo wedding battle armor. <laughs> That's sweet. like some kind of like a weird crossover. And then they, they both definitely say like, I love, love, love you. And there's this, there's this thing about how like them coming to terms with their feelings about each other. And this relationship that they have is what sort of like powers their ability in pure illusion. There's so much about sort of like the, the combination of the two of them that, that makes them uh succeed in the end. Okay, And there, are, there are a lot of problems I think, um, or at least weaknesses in the story. Um, like some characters just kind of get introduced to be there and ultimately don't end up doing a lot. Mm-hmm. And like, there's, there's other stuff where sort of like things sort of get tossed aside as, you know, the, the plot really gets into the thick of it. But I I do think it's really uh, cool. And it's, it's very clearly a passion project that, some you know, people were really excited to make this. They were so into it. They put in so much work to not make the last couple episodes, just like, An Evangelion style sort of like you know breakdown Uh in a way because you can see you can see a lot of those like seams bursting. Okay, like there there there's just not quite as much animation, and there's very clearly a a moment where like they couldn't animate something, so it is just like stills going back and forth for each for a little bit. Uh huh. But they they put in so much work to finish this thing. It's it's. I do think it's admirable that they're you know that they're pulling all this work into an original production and sort of that it is internally consistent, even if the viewer doesn't always make these sorts of connections. Okay. Yeah, I I did like Flip Flappers um, at the end. I think it it definitely, even though it may have a weak like back third, its ending really sticks it for me. All and right. that's, I think, the most important thing is like, maybe not everything's resolved the way I'd like. Maybe not everything's explained, but there's that. Yeah. And there's one also really good moment of the, the whole like moving forward thing at the end is where, um, through sort of the power of pure illusion, um, these characters meet their younger versions who may have made mistakes. Uh, in particular, Dr. Salt gets a lot of character development in the back end. Alright. Um, the leader of Flip Flop. And sort of his younger version shows up and is sort of like, hey, using the magic of pure illusion, you can go back and make sure that these mistakes you made don't happen. And Dr. Salt pulls out a gun and shoots his younger self in the head, killing them. <laughs> and, and, okay. and just says like, I, you know, I told myself I would never, you know, go back to those days. I would never, you know, I may regret these things, but I, I must move forward with them. I have to live with these mistakes
1: that I've made. That feels like kind of the opposite of that, uh, of killing your past self as a visual metaphor. Uh,
0: I mean, I don't, I mean, it's, it's killing the, the idea that you should go backwards and fix the th- mistakes you've made, I guess. Okay. Or like, stop the mistakes from happening. All right. Because, you know, everything in your life, um, makes you who you are, and any sort of change may, change that development so it's the idea of even though these bad things happened i am who i am because of them and i'll fix them in my own way rather than trying to remove them entirely all right i liked it um but there you know it's it's got its problems and i understand why people especially after the first six episodes would be like not into the last seven and i hear it's doing
1: pretty poorly okay yeah See, I was thinking maybe at some point when I feel like I have the energy for it again, I'll power through these episodes. I don't like to see if it, get, it gets back to the good stuff, but I guess it doesn't really.
0: It it has its moments of getting back there, but you if what you're looking for is more like episode three, you're not going to get it.
1: Yeah, because I was definitely not interested in the character stuff, even when like that good action and like art stuff was still going on. Like, even then, I was like, man, I kind of wish these characters were a little different and maybe a little bit more lively and human like. Mm-hmm. So, if that's what starts taking up the majority of the show, then I definitely think I wouldn't like that.
0: Yeah. It's fun, if nothing else. I think through the whole thing, it still has this sense of fun to it, even as it gets like relentlessly dark. I don't think episode four was very fun. That's fair. But again, if you're not into the characters, you're not going to enjoy the series. It's. It does hinge a lot on ultimately uh, being interested in those characters.
2: Okay.
1: Well, even then, you know, I I had a good time with the first three episodes.
0: Yeah. It Man, it starts out as a huge visual spectacle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I in some
0: ways, like, you could just watch the first three, do nothing else, and probably be satisfied with your time. Yeah.
1: I wish I'd done that. I don't know. Maybe then I would have felt a little bit better about it. But they were still three good episodes, so that's more than yeah. nothing.
0: I think everyone can agree the the pure illusion stuff from the first half real good.
1: Yeah, totally. See. So, yeah.
0: Man, removing uh anime from the list from last time to decide this to, to decide the order this time makes it so I have to go from Flip Flappers to Gaku and Handsome. <laughs> what a turnaround. Uh-huh. So, uh Gaku and Handsome <laughs> <laughs> sure exists. Yeah, I've uh, been
1: hearing nothing but negativity about this show pretty much. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like everyone has basically just been saying that it's not funny and lame, and I, I thought you agreed.
0: It's not funny. Okay, that's fair. Uh, it's a hundred percent fair. But like, the most criticism I had is like people who don't get that it's supposed to look like this as sort of like a parody.
1: I think people and get I'm like that. that's not.
0: No, I no. I've definitely seen people who don't get it. Okay. But, uh, no, I, I mean, like, it's not super funny, which is, like, a real big issue for this, because other than that, it doesn't really have anything to go after. Uh Uh-huh. But it, it does have, it does have good gags. (laughs) Like, there's, there's a good, there's a good moment in one of the episodes where they're in, like, art class. And the teacher, who is also, like, a love interest, is, like, being the model for it. Okay. And the whole thing is about, like, every time someone draws it, even if it's really shitty, his entire body melds to become whatever they drew. All right. So, like, one of them draws him, like, as, like, having, like, a a circle head and sort of, like, really indistinct body. And that's just what he looks like. And they keep doing this, like, oh, this is really fun. Let's just draw the most disgusting versions of this character that we can. And he'll morph into all of them. And then finally, one of the characters turns out to be really good at drawing, so he draws the entire cast, and suddenly they become, like, looking really good, like, legitimate anime characters. Okay. And people comment on it, like, oh, they're so beautiful, they look so good, and then they're like, I can't handle this, they look too good, and so they redraw them again, and they turn into their normal forms, and that's the end of the episode. It's All the right. whole thing. That's, like, it, really. Yeah. well. There's there's really nothing good about the jokes. <laughs> It's it's just, like, a weird concept that definitely got turned into something, like, you know, there's a whole bit where, like, one of the characters is out in the middle of nowhere wearing, like, sumo wrestler outfit, like, oh, this is gonna be in vogue for the summer, and then a fashion guy just shows up like, that's gonna be extremely vogue because you're a model now. And then, like, there's this whole thing that ends with a big, like, he gets kicked out of modeling and that whole industry because... Because of the sumo thing, he starts a sumo wrestling match in the middle of a fashion show. Like, there's just like really, it's, it's like TQ, but not, um, Good. not fast enough. Okay. Like, it, it lingers
1: too much on the jokes. So it's like the manga to, of TQ.
0: Yeah, to be, to be truly successful. Hmm. But also it ends with like, the entire cast is, is made into a boy band. Like, they're gonna do like an Udapri sort of thing. <laughs> and then at the very end, they're just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> and then they just like, you know, kind of push the microphones and their deal over and everything. And it's just like, nope, we're going to stay here at school and be handsome forever. Handsome army forever. And I was like, okay. I don't know. I, I didn't like dislike my time with it, but I also could have
1: spent it a lot better. Got going handsome. It's like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really it. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, again, there are some good gags, but I think it's just like, it's not paced right to be mm. able to like really take advantage of them.
1: Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. I mean, I can't drag you too much for watching a short show that you don't even like that much, because I've done that too.
0: Yeah, like, it's... Again, it wasn't, like, bad. There was nothing, like, extremely bad about it, but I think the most I could say is
1: consistently boring.
0: <laughs> which is its own issue. Well, at but least you know. it's
1: consistent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're always decrying shows on here for being uneven. Finally, Gaquin Handsome shows us the true potential of anime as a medium.
0: Yeah. As does the next short, Ah. TQ, which has been consistent for eight seasons now. (laughs) I'm
1: glad the director has made it one thing that's consistent.
0: Thank God. Yeah. Oh, man. Berserk season two. Maybe that if they go all (laughs) TQ on it, man, that'll fix it. That'll be great. See, okay. So the issue with TQ is that I'll look up to remember what kind of jokes were made on it <laughs> and let me tell you none of those episode titles tell me what ha- what's happening no except for face-off with senpai which is literally face-off but magic <laughs> Okay. Like, just magically, like, everyone switches bodies, and it turns out it was, like, an alien, and they fight the alien, and they switch around again, and then finally they get back in their own bodies, and that's how it ends. I
1: mean, that's the opposite like they, of face-off. They don't switch bodies, like they face-off. just switch faces. They stay in their own bodies. They just pretend to the be fa- someone else.
0: It is the closest to consistent
1: that it gets. All right. I mean, no, there's, sometimes there'll be one that's called, like, Jaws with Senpai, and they'll be at the beach.
0: Oh, yeah, Titanic with Senpai is one where they get, like, stranded in the ocean. Yeah. It turns out that one of them, I think, they just is is not a real movie and they just made up, which is the super scary, super strange, files scariest movie ever with Senpai. Okay. Unless that is a, like, like a Japanese indie movie that I just don't know about. That
1: would be weird. That would be breaking the pattern.
0: Yeah, because all of them are... Then it's, like, Enemy with the State with Senpai and Once Upon a Time in America... Uh one charming thing is um the so they have two episodes Once Upon a Time in America with Senpai and Once Upon a Time in China with Senpai that are just like looking back on how they how the, the club started. Uh-huh. And how it's, you know, it started just by people who don't have any idea what tennis is and they're like, oh let's go find someone else who's probably in the tennis club and they meet someone with a tennis racket and it turns out they're using it for like a cooking implement. <laughs> so it's just like, oh this is what tennis is like and it's like nope and then they finally, you know, make their
1: club or oh, I love a relatable character.
0: The enemy with uh, there's an episode where they do like a sports festival and one of the 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 pink-haired girl is like I did two crunches to get ready and her uh, she basically gets like Gears of war legs <laughs> and right. then another and another one's like oh I did a pull-up and has just huge beefy arms it's like oh these will be perfect for when I'm th- you know drinking water at the water station <laughs> <laughs> and they immediately deflate and they're just charming moments like that uh what was it um I think my favorite one is the one where they, where they just go, they're just playing an MMO together. Uh huh. Like they're just playing an MMO, they're at the computer, and it's just like, it, it's just like sort of a parody of RPG things where like the rich lady immediately like just buys her way to having the best equipment that she can equip and stuff.
1: Oh damn, that's topical.
0: Yeah, it's topical. It's it's a real FTP sort of issue. Mm-hmm. But that one's fun, just for like you know, or you know.
1: <laughs> Did you just say FTP?
0: <laughs> that's free to play, right? No, it's F two P. Oh, F two P. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, I'm such a fake gamer. Yeah, you were. Oh, that one's fun. That's called Oblivion with Senpai, which is extra poignant. You know. Oh yeah, that's like smart. the elder that's, school. Uh,
1: that's what they call multifaceted.
0: Yeah. There's a part where they're like, "Oh, we're really hungry and we don't have any money. What are we going to do?" And someone just, one of them just starts eating grass and gets poisoned and dies <laughs> immediately. Ah, <laughs> oh,
1: jeez. There's some, there's some charming moments in there. TQ is still TQ. Yeah, I love it. I've been watching some of the old seasons, it's having a great time.
0: Yeah, and so here's one thing about TQ that we missed. So this first this this season has like that weird like Russian polka sort of opening that isn't yeah. very good, but mm. also it has a really good opening with the alien lady. Which is just like this silly pop song, and it's it's fun and charming. It's better than the other opening. And it's just weird. It's like half and half split. Yeah. With no real consistency to it, but it's fine.
1: Uh, it's a good season. Thanks, TQ. I love it.
0: Yeah, what a what a time.
1: Remember the early episodes of the show when we were like mega down on TQ? On the concept of TQ? Yeah. Yeah, then we watched it. Oh, what a different times, man. Different lifetimes.
0: Yeah, this doesn't happen in this season, but I always like the ones where they're like, just pimping their own Blu-rays in the middle of
1: an episode. (laughs) That's great.
0: Yeah, it's good times. Oh, no, there is one really good part of the flashback where it's like, uh, the, the pink-haired girl's like, oh, I gotta make a really good first impression. And so it just, it just hard cuts to her sitting in a, like, in a gorilla suit (laughs) at school. (laughs) And it's just like, I did it. And then she immediately takes it off and nothing is ever brought up about it again.
1: Uh, TQ is great. (laughs)
0: <laughs> just like its dedication to like garbage gags that last just long enough for you to laugh without thinking about it is perfect. Oh, yeah. what a good show!
1: Ugh. Maybe that. Maybe, maybe that's why how the Berserk came uh, show came to be because it's, it's because of the dedication to garbage. <laughs> yeah, they just can't put in as many gags to <laughs> be Berserk. Oh man! If only they got the right Kansan director to do Berserk instead. <laughs> If only if only Guts had a gorilla suit on for one frame and then disappeared. I mean, he's basically a gorilla already. Yeah. I think that one, I don't know if you've seen this, but the, the part in Verse uh, Dirk where they're walking through the cave and then a character says, uh, gets super scared and says, what's that? And then they, like, it hard cuts to just a picture of a weird nose <laughs> troll. That's totally a <laughs> TQ gag.
0: Oh my god, it is! Oh, that's so good! Yeah. <laughs> That's great.
1: I mean, only to the degree you can hard cut in a manga, but you know what I mean. Right.
0: <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Oh, God bless. <sighs> Next up, we got sports. Like, real sports this time. Not mm-hmm. like TQ. And that's Q, Third season. Well, more like season two and a half. Karasuno versus Shira Torizawa. I guess you're right.
1: Yes. This room also has Gakuen in the name. Yeah, and it also has Q in it, like TQ. Yeah, and it's not like either of those shows. I bet Gakuen just means handsome, and I sound like a big dumbass, right, Like, oh, what? A... Yeah, what a coincidence that these are both in the title. That's funny. Get with it, Japan.
0: <laughs> no, Gakuen means like high school or something. Yeah, that's what or I, I school figured. Or academy. Anyways, um, man, it, even though like it, it sort of like makes itself less exciting by the way the characters interact with the car- with the match it's still like a lot of fun yeah the action is super good mhm like we don't have a best moment category in uh in our AODs but if we did the first like seven minutes of episode 10 would absolutely be up there because it's just the hype is just
1: shit yeah the final the final volley is super that- good yeah that was and great. there's
0: like They've got that really great 3D, uh, 3D, like, rotation around the characters as they do the final hit. Yeah. Like, you can't even, like, you know it's 3D because of what they're doing, but it would be hard to tell otherwise.
2: hmm
0: Like, all of those frames are just so good. Yeah. And, like, uh, Tsukishima really gets to stand out in this one in a way that he didn't get to because his character arc hadn't happened. Right. Like, he's, he's a fantastic character in this whole bit, really, like, Bringing the team together and sort of like keeping them calm because he's so like calculating and good at being able to like read his opponents. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just, it's fantastic to see him kind of get to be built up, uh, especially against sort of like the primary characters of the team. Yeah. Yeah, even though he, like, jams all his fingers during this match. <laughs> well,
1: there's also, like, the uh, the end of his character arc for him being kind of a jerk who just plays volleyball because he's good at it, to actually, like, finding passion yeah. in the match. And the whole thing is, like, I don't, you know, he's, the whole time he's like,
0: eh, I could do this, but I just don't want to achieve that. Yeah. And finally wanting to achieve that as part of that goal. It's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And then we get the backstory for the coach of the other team, and find out that he was in, like, a really similar situation to Hinata when he was young. But not, but he wasn't able to, like, kind of push his way through.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think, you know, that just, like, the backstories they give to these characters are, you know, charming in ways. Like, even giving that that red-haired kid, like, a uh, one that's sort of like, a, just sort of like, he's always been sort of a dick. <laughs> yeah like he's like he's always been pretty good at this whole guessing thing and people talk about how he's like gross because of his eyes or whatever and he just like owns that persona <laughs> it's like really charming in the same way like the way that like my hero academia's bakugo just being a dick is, like really charming because it's like oh he's always been told he's the best so he just believes it i think
1: it's kind of tragic in the case of the of the of the guest monster from high q because it's like, oh, you know, he's a, he's a bit of a jerk, and he looks weird, and he's really good at like at at, uh, at betting on the right betting on the right horse, and people make fun of him for that. And then, how do you resolve that? I'm just gonna be it. I'm just gonna live it. He you just know? owns it. Be the worst version of myself that I could be, and that's <laughs> that's weird because usually, like, the tragic backstory is what redeems the enemies in this time. It just
0: <laughs> it just sells it just their character. It. <laughs> It's so good.
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah, Tsukushima has just some really good moments of like pushing other people on the team like to the limits by being annoying. <laughs> yeah. But it all but it's not like, oh, he's just doing this to be a dick. He's like so calculating, like knowing that this is gonna open something up later.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like everything like sure it's like perfect, oh everything goes exactly as planned, but you also get to feel like, oh yeah, this is earned. Totally, like like some of the absolute just wacky shit <laughs> is uh, it's it's really good.
1: I just think it's really good. It's pretty yeah. I've been I've been enjoying it. Still not as much as season two though. Yeah,
0: I think it just it doesn't hit the same highs as I think like the Alba Josai match.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But you but the the f- it definitely makes you feel sort of that five round fatigue along with the other characters.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And I think that's a really important thing. Is like this may not be. This is technically higher stakes, but none of the characters treat it like that until they start realizing that they're, like, switching out all the time because they can't handle
1: this format. There's a part where Nishinoya yells at everybody, or I think it was him, yells at everybody to keep playing even if their thighs split apart. Yes,
0: that's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, even if my thighs split apart, I will be the libero for this
2: team.
1: Mm -hmm. And then eventually that, like, actually comes to pass, like, some characters are beyond fatigued and their muscles are starting to give out but yeah. they power through it and they well I'm not going to spoil how it ends but it does and I that's mean, good I mean I think we I mean I think we can because it's obvious is in it? a lot of ways
0: I think at the mm, I think at the point at which the story is it seems pretty obvious
2: All right Well, they
0: win Yeah they win and they move on in the in the tournament Yeah and we learn that the next match is going to be uh Fukurodani versus uh Nekoma
1: I'll tell you what. what, I've only read the manga up to halfway into this match because that's when they announced that they were going to do official English release uh, releases for it. So I stopped reading the uh, the scans. Right. And I'm really curious where the story is going to go from here on out because a lot of people's characters arcs are already over. Mm-hmm. And like on some level there, I feel like potential for story turns is already starting to run dry. Like they've already played against a lot of the teams. A lot of the characters are already sort of in their end zone and are just kind of spinning their wheels. I wonder how they're going to keep the series as good as it's been to this point, or if they even are going to do that, or if the manga is just slowly running out, running out of steam. I don't know. I,
0: I, I think if everyone's getting these resolutions, the only thing sort of left to be done is for them to win and the story to finish. Yeah. You know, I mean, like the only way they could really finish this is. I don't even know if they could finish it with losing, you know? That would be harsh. Like, like that would... Like, it would be poetic in a way, but I think it would also be really, like, controversial in a way. Yeah. In the same way that, like, you know, certain characters not getting together gets controversial in anime kind of thing.
1: I think it would be really sad for all the third years that never get to earn their big win and then have to leave for college.
0: And, I mean, some of the other teams, we have to deal with that. Like, uh, you know... And Alba Josai Oikawa is never going to be able to. Yeah. And I think I really think that the only way they could end this is basically with uh, Karasuno taking uh,
1: the championship. Maybe. Because I hear that the matches only get longer after this point, and that's maybe yeah, not this, a good thing. Yeah,
0: like that, the, This this match is uh, is ten episodes long because of the five. Uh, the five-game match. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, from what I hear, just, like, they're all going to be like this from now on.
1: Jeez. Because I think at this point what uh, this series needs to really, like, uh, reignite itself is for uh the new fir- first years to come in and for the team dynamic to change up completely. Because I feel like that's mm-hmm. where the story is headed after this. But that's not the case because the manga, you know, the manga's out. We know what's happening next. There's a lot of tournament- tournaments still left. So I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. It'll, uh, and we probably won't see another anime for a while now.
2: No,
1: probably not.
0: Like we're caught up with every every game that's over.
1: Yeah. We got we got welcome to the ballroom to
0: Yeah, Pro- i IQ you can take care of that for now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh I I really liked this the season of IQ. It, it stands up, I think, with some of the best moments of uh of season two. Next up, rounding out our sports coverage, All Out.
1: All Out, baby.
0: All Out continues to do what it does perfectly well, which is, the you know, sort of the most sports you could possibly get.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. They never really do much besides sports. Like, we don't get to hang out with these characters off the field.
0: Yeah, they're always training, or they're always sporting and I, I do, you know, in some ways I do kind of wish we got more of just them. Yeah. Because it would be nice to see these characters interacting in a non-sports related uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Like the the only real time we see them outside of doing sports, they're like buying cleats.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, like it's still it's still sports adjacent in a way. It's like, it would be nice to see what these people are like off the field.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about how the first... Uh, like, after we have our first couple of introductory matches, that's when the actual character development really starts to kick in. Mm-hmm. But even then, I feel like what the show really lacks is... Interaction... Development of characters through interaction. Like, we get to find out about what characters do and how they play and sort of their general... Like, their their ticks and their quirks. But not really like how they interact with each other is very little... we see very little of the characters off the field and when you're on the field you don't really act like you usually do because Mm -hmm. you're focused, you're trying to make a game happen especially in a game as violent, I guess that's not really the right word, as rugby is you know? Mm -hmm. You're not really yourself on the court, you're something more aggressive and I feel like this show needs something to give characters a little extra edge of humanity, because there's very little of that at the moment.
0: Yeah, there there is some of, like, um... What is it? There's a little bit of Gone and, like... What is his name? Is it Raita? Uh, who? Those... The... Uh, the... The kid with the squinty eyes.
1: Oh, I...
0: Like, we... Uh, the guy he buys cleats with and goes to scout with.
1: I, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. But I know but who you're talking about. you know who about. I'm talking about. Yes.
0: Like, that's that's one of those things where that's really the first, like... Real interaction if you will of characters.
1: There's that and I think Guillaume and the dude with the crazy hair uh Boomy Sekizon.
0: Oh the the blonde-haired yeah. crazy hair. Yeah, that's I, oh, I right. mean
1: crazy and with the hair. That was bad. Yeah. The guy who's like a to- uh, like a really the kind DL. of violent nutter, yeah. <laughs> um they have uh they have a bit of character interaction in the beach episode.
0: Mm-hmm, where yeah, they they ha- they come to this sort of there's there's actually a little bit in the beach episode because yeah he has that whole character of like why he plays rugby
1: yeah it's because he's a violent son of a gun who just wants to tackle people you know that's <laughs> honest that's earnest and
0: then there's the and there's a little bit of the character who's like I I play this because I I'm waiting for like my brother to catch up sort of thing you yes, know
1: there was that like too.
0: there there are these there are these very poignant like we don't always play rugby because we love it. But we we do it to try to find that passion, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, it, yeah, it it would be nice if we got more character moments at this point because it is a lot of games.
1: Yeah, it is. Which isn't bad. Um, no, I actually appreciate I th- just how... Dedicated to its premise it is? No, no, no. How actually, like, focused on the the individual plays, the parts where they are actually just playing the game are... Because there Mm -hmm. are these long stretches where it really is just balls being thrown and people doing runs and tackling into each other. But in a way where I can actually follow the flow of the game, which is not the first priority of all sports anime. And here it really is. Mm -hmm. And that's that's nice. You know, that helps me get into the match.
0: Yeah, and it still feels fast and quick. It's not like you're, you know, wasting a lot of time on very, like,
1: split-second decisions. No, totally. One thing that I do wish they did a little bit more is establish where on the field
2: they are and
1: everyone is. Yeah, just everything, uh, like, individual plays do feel like they're happening in a vacuum sometimes. That's the one thing that I I think Mm. holds the matches in the show back.
0: Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Like, occasionally it would just be nice even to have, like, an overlay of just, like, you know... Sort of just colors of where everyone on the team is, where yeah. everyone on a team is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I think it's, it's fascinating how much they're putting emphasis onto it. Like, they've, they've had two or three games now and these joint practices and all this stuff. Like, everything is to the rugby thing. Like, there isn't, like, I, I want more fluff, but it is fascinating that there just really isn't any. Yeah. In a way that, like, is commendable.
1: Because mm-hmm. there are there there is a school of thought out there that critiques a lot of shonen sports anime for just being a regular action show, but with a sport as the background instead of yeah. having a fight. And this show is definitely not that. Like it's all about getting that rugby on. Yeah, that's good. Also,
0: let's talk about the absolutely the most standout moment of the entire uh,
1: six episodes we watched. All right, I think I already know. I think I know what you're talking about. But tell me about it.
0: Gion and his friend are scouting out this other team Mm -hmm. because Gion has had this moment where he's trying to figure out where he fits on the team as a player. Yes, And so he's checking out all these other people who are much better than him and seeing how they play their roles and stuff. And, you know, they're not supposed to be there. And one of the players from the team shows up behind them and just kind of stands menacingly until they notice. Uh Uh-huh. And he's looking down at them, and it seems real menacing in this first bit because this, like the right at the end of the episode, he's got this really menacing look on his face, and he's like, "Hey guys, I just ate too much shaved ice, and I got a headache. I'm coming back to the game now. What are you guys doing here?" And then it's just like cuts, end. Yeah, and it's, it's absolutely fascinating how they 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 build up this character to be like sort of very menacing, very huge compared to these other two. And he's just like, "Yeah, I got a, you know, I got an ice cream
1: headache." <laughs> it's weird because. This series doesn't really do gags or even humor. It it has humor, but it's like a, well, I can't believe you just said that. And, you know, people getting into rowdy arguments. It's reactionary. Yeah. So I don't know if this was intended to be a joke. <laughs> Maybe it was just <laughs> this guy comes up and he just says that to them because, you know, that's just how he feels right now. And there was no humor intended there. And it just ended up like that. I don't know, but I loved it. It was a really um, great cause moment.
0: Because then, then it, it repeats it in the in the – next episode and sort of like reframes it a little bit yeah where he's so, where he's sort of like it turns out that he's very like just kind of a he's a chill like sort of like meek kind of dude when it comes to this like I'm, he goes up to his coach like i'm really sorry i ate too much ice cream yeah. <laughs> and then it's like well get back in, well get in the stupid game it's like all right you know <laughs> and there's that you know there are nice moments with gion in particular where like him trying to find his place in the team meets him you know like some of the best people in, you know, in the high, you know, in the country for high school and like kind of playing, sort of like playing with them to figure out sort of what his priorities are and like where he should fit on the field.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And it's cool. It is cool. Also, we got to talk about the the biggest revelation in the show so far. Uh That's that the coach is buff.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cause there's a point where he's got his like sleeve. He's got a sleeveless shirt or whatever. Yeah. And he is just ripped.
1: Yeah, he is cut. He has diamond cut. It's ridiculous. Cause up until now, he's always just had a jacket on or whatever. And he looks like a skinny, run down dude. Yeah. And he's got like this really gout, like sort of like tough chin to him. Mm-hmm. It, he doesn't look beefy from his face. He
0: looks like he's, you know, like malnourished.
2: Yeah, he does. <laughs>
0: but he is just, he is just ripped to shit <laughs> underneath this like jacket and shirt. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. It is amazing. He also had that really great character moment with the, um, like the teacher that is, I guess, in charge of the team. Like they're, oh, the, yeah, their, their advisor, their advisor. Yeah. Where he's like, you haven't, you know, you haven't been feeding these kids. They're obviously excited. They love rugby, but you're not giving them like that adult oversight that lets them really improve and like look at things from a perspective that they don't have yet. When you should be, you should be the one giving that to them. And like one and it comes up with like this teacher,
0: like was very passionate about it, but all of the but the team before them was sort of like they were just like messing around and they didn't really care and everything like and that just rubbed off on this dude like they he's looking at these kids like, "Oh, look at these idiot kids mm-hmm. doing stupid idiot things, but then he he really understands the passion that these characters are
1: bringing and I think that makes a lot more sense here than it did in sound Euphonium, which had a similar story element at one point. Mm-hmm. Where I think it makes more sense for a rugby team to kind of fall apart under some of its members not caring than a band,
0: I mean in that case, it's like an entire year's worth of band members which can fuel that, but like with a with a sport that makes a lot more sense because like you just can't cover up other people's performances,
1: yeah, in the same way and that's right, and Sound euphony, was specifically one year, which is kind of like a weird borderline impossibility like that's very hard to buy into. But in this case, it's like, you know, several years worth
0: of students who just decided, eh.
1: Yeah. Well, we don't get any specifics. So for all we know, it was, it just started with maybe like four or five of the players not really caring. And then you can't really put on a good game like that or do good practice like that. So everybody else starts caring on the list. And then the advisor stops caring as well. Yeah, I get that. Then when he gets a new team that really does care a lot, he doesn't, he doesn't realize that. And that's a shame. Mm-hmm. and i like i like that he didn't immediately realize oh i made a mistake like he sort of fought against it first like i didn't do anything wrong
0: right like he's like oh good job jerk offs yeah. you know as as it gets later in and especially near the end of the game where like they're super they're just like super downtrodden because the other team is so much better mm-hmm. and then someone just fucking dies on you know on the field <laughs>
1: someone literally gets shot by another man's body
0: because that's the moment where they have that really cocky dude who's the whole time has been going up to, um, been going up to, uh, Iwashimizu and being like, hey, remember when you broke that guy's, you know, you broke that guy's arm on your team and then you didn't win? Should have done it earlier so we could have gone on. Oh, fuck you.
1: Goddamn. But there's
0: a moment where. Washimizu goes up, you know, is like blocking him and just fucking like knees him in the face. <laughs> yeah, but it's legal because it's 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 a, it's not the intended thing that he did; it just happened to go with it. Yeah, and he just gets obliterated, and for the rest of the game, he's just a mess. And at that point, like the team really turns around. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it, there's there's a really great moment. <laughs> there are a lot of good moments of people just getting like destroyed. Yeah. on field. And, like, not in a way – and, like, in a way you still go, like, ooh, that's really bad, but also you see, like, the passion that goes into it. And, like, a lot of it is – in that match in particular is, like, these guys have been, like, skating the rules the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, they talk specifically about, like, the the way that they play is, like, they they play just within the rules enough to basically, like, kick other people.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. like,
0: yell insults to fuck them up. Like –
1: yeah. You know what's really good about this show that is very specific to this show is that we have follow a main character who doesn't really like immediately find his place on a team, mm-hmm. but is also not like a total loser dweeb. Like he's passionate and he's doing his best and he's getting better, but he's not like a Hinata who is obviously going to be the big fast spiker, you know? He it's not clear what he's supposed to do. He still has to find its place, and that's different. Like Ice Shield twenty one, that's another manga I really like. But in that series, it's really obvious that the main character is gonna be like the big runner who goes for the charges directly for the end zone.
0: Yeah. And like it the, the very clear idea is that Gion's never gonna make a point, basically, because no. he's really bad at catching and throwing.
2: Oh, poor. But guy. like
0: he he has his role. He is he is the most passionate <laughs> tackler in the world. Yeah. And you know that's I think that's good in a lot of ways is like he's he's finding his place he's learning a lot about the game because he doesn't know about it and like that's not a you know a an unseen sports thing that's super common but he's also not going to be the ace.
1: No. Sekizan's on still going to be the ace. Yeah. It's still a good show I think. I don't yeah. remember the last time a show I enjoyed a show that I thought was this okay this much.
0: <laughs> yeah. It is like extremely fine yeah it's okay it's good it does not do anything special but it is engaging
1: yeah and when we were talking about the last time there were really no flaws that i could point out yet and now there are a couple like the cracks are starting to show a little bit and i wonder if that's going to wear my enjoyment of the show down any further if it's just going to be like yeah all right i'll watch this i'm still having a good time
0: yeah or even if they like you know if they do the things we want where they like Spend a little more time just, like, going over these characters.
2: That'd be great.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: Speaking of four, JoJo's part four. It's over. I'm glad it's over.
0: <laughs> I sort of am, too. <laughs> like, man, I don't dislike it, but it just felt long. It yeah. feels really long. And I think that is just because the, the middle th- third is, like... kind of meandering.
1: Yeah. I think, for me, it's the, the Kira's dad... The Akira as a dad storyline just kills it for me.
0: Yeah, it's not... It, like, they could spend less time with that.
1: Yeah. It's not even bad. Like, I think the execution of it is fine. But, like, I don't really want to see that within the context of the show.
0: Yeah, and, like, it keeps... It, it like,
1: builds up this mystery... And then they take a break for, you
0: know, like, four or five episodes, and then it builds up this mystery, and they take a break for four yeah. or five episodes. With some good moments, I like some of those moments, like Rohan, you know, beating up a child, and, you know, like, them meeting the alien and stuff, but it's just like, it feels like it's it's such a start and stop sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: But we got to see the end of the July 15th arc, which I I just keep forgetting the the rules of that ghost world, and I think that that's why... I had such an issue originally thinking about the the Rohan with the back bomb stand thing, mm-hmm. but it does it, it is consistent and it makes sense. It, and yes. like yeah, that works out really well because it's it's sort of like outsmarting this guy who's who, who this outsmarting the stand who is specifically built to outsmart other people.
1: Yeah, that is pretty good. I think maybe one of the reasons it's it feels so long is because the villain has a power specifically designed to drag the story out farther than it needs to. Like, that's all Bites mm-hmm. the Dust is good for. Yeah, Bites
0: the... Oh, man. Like, Bites the Dust is conceptually neat, but man, it just, like, really complicates the story in a way it doesn't need
2: to. Mm-hmm. Oh, man.
0: But the conclusion... The way that they handle the conclusion is one of my favorite things about the series. What do you mean? So, so they're having this huge fight, right? It's yeah. just, it's nuts. They, they deal with this whole bites the dust thing, the time switch, and Rohan explodes more than I'd like. But like, there's this whole bit, and you know, like, they've, they've found him, and they're just like beating the shit out of him in the middle of the street. And there's all this stuff going on. And like, the idea is that Kira has gotten close enough to this paramedic. He's gonna use, her for the whole bites the dust thing to be able to go back and kind of fix this whole thing. Yeah, But then, and it goes and it shows and he hits the, he hits the bomb and it looks like he's going back in time, but he's somehow ended up in the ghost alley. Mm-hmm. And so he learns uh, through this whole thing that he died because as he was about to hit the bomb, uh, an ambulance just backed <laughs> up on him and <laughs> killed him.
1: Oh man, <laughs> ripped to the fallen.
0: And it's it's just like this perfect like climax because even all the heroes are like, well he's dead, but like, what did we do? <laughs> <laughs> he got <laughs> run over, and I think that's 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 sort of fantastic. It
1: is, yeah, I love it.
0: And there's a and there's a great moment where it's like you know, Kira Kira again tries to do the whole outsmart thing because it's like, oh, we, I I know we can't turn around in here. And that whole thing, but then it turns out the whole time he's been backwards more or less. Uh-huh. So he fucks up. It's, that's that's a. That, and then he dies and it's great. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a good way to end it. You know, the the manga issues are still there where it just like doesn't close out some plot lines that maybe should. Have. Yeah, like
1: Joseph stealing the baby. <laughs> like Joseph stealing a that baby. That's not all right. He should that baby should have been registered. Under government. Or you know,
0: like oh, you know who's Josuke's savior from his childhood that he bases himself after that never comes back.
1: Oh, I guess not.
0: That's you know that's a thing that doesn't happen. Oh, you know we don't really get to know why Okuyasu gets to come back to life, but you know he's cool. <laughs> yeah, he just it's just sort of like I saw my brother. He's like you shouldn't die yet, and he pushed me back into my body <laughs> or whatever. But it's like a happy ending for everyone, and that's nice. Yeah, you know, Jotaro
1: gets his PhD.
0: Yeah. I think in, because of a starfish, yeah. I think in a way, um it's sort of a subversion of what you'd expect based on the other parts where all of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like the main character's best friends die. Okuyasu just gets to come back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, hey guys, I'm cool. He is. Yeah, I'm, you know, uh part four was fine, it's it's just, I don't know, it just felt really long.
1: Yeah, it did. And who knows, you know, part five might be happening. I'm looking forward to it. I've been reading the manga, Uh it's real good, haters to the left. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people just hate it because they, they dealt with a bad translation.
1: Yeah, that's 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 fair. That's a good point. new translation is solid, and I've been enjoying it.
0: Yeah, so it'll be cool to see, I think. Yeah. It should be interesting, if nothing else. We'll wait a year.
1: hmm David Pro's got other stuff on their plate coming up this year. Well, I mean, while we wait, we can watch the JoJo's Part 4 live-action movie that's going to be coming out.
0: Oh, yeah, that got announced, and they showed the Josuke for it. Yeah,
1: and it's a, it's a... It's accurate to the source material. It's a good-looking Josuke. It's a pretty thing. good
0: Josuke, yeah.
1: That's what I love about uh, Japanese live-action movies is that they don't feel the need to buckle to make things not look too weird. Like, they're willing to just go all the way with making something look the way it's supposed to. And if that doesn't really look like the way real life looks or doesn't look acceptable to the human eye as something that could be in real life, that's still okay. Yeah, well then fuck you. Yeah.
0: But, uh, yeah, uh, and I don't know how they're gonna handle stands and stuff, but like that, that first picture is like, they're really dedicated to making it as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. The one of like 800 movies they'll have to make for it. Yeah. Anyways, that's JoJo's part four. It's good. Yep. Very, I think there are some very good moments that were nice to see animated.
1: Yes, totally.
0: And here's to, here's to many more. If they can keep getting the funding and stuff
1: for it. I mean, to- like, this has to be a total gravy train, right?
0: Yeah. there, Like, there's no way this isn't making tons of dollars. Yeah. Even if it's not always the most popular shows of, like, a year, this has to have its huge fan base, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe with Part 5 and Part 6 it'll get a little bit less, but it's still JoJo, so it's still huge.
0: Yeah. I mean, Part 5 is one of the few to get a dedicated video game to it, so it must have done something, right? Yeah, I guess so speaking of doing something right oh yeah girlish number mm-hmm. so one thing I want to point out is that it I feel like one not many people have <laughs> watched it
1: no I guess not and
0: two it seems like it's it's rated a lot lower than an average your average like show it just seems weird it seems like people I don't know if maybe just not enough people are watching it that it doesn't even out or if like people kind of turned on it I don't know but I liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really great. I powered through the first six episodes after you recommended to, recommended it to me in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. I was keeping up with it every week. It's uh,
0: it like it, do, it does character drama well. I think that's a thing about uh, Wataru Watari, who is the author of this that he does well. Mm-hmm. Is is character dramas and making these characters that even if they're just like dirt bags. There's there is a there is a relatable aspect to them and you know it, you still like want to follow them even if it's just to watch them be dirtbags.
1: Yeah. Like Cheeta Say. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that Cheeta Say never really learns to become a better person.
0: <laughs> Cheeta Say learns to put in the effort.
1: Yeah. Is <laughs> basically like
0: Cheeta Say learns that there are ups and downs, but the reason that you are going to be popular is because you're you yeah even if that is like a cocky um outside like insensitive sort of person
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's sort of fantastic it is um and there's there's bits about that too of just like coming to terms with being proud of who you are because there's that moment with um there's that whole arc with uh kazuha right where she goes back and she has to meet her parents, you know there's this whole moment where she she gives, you know, the, the staff is going with her and they give the Blu-rays for this series that they're doing to her parents. And she's sort of like, ah, this is kind of garbage. You don't have, you know, you, you don't need to watch it. And her father says something really important, which is like, if you're not proud of the thing you're working on, you know, sort of, why should anyone sort of care? Yeah. Which has this really poignant thing of like you still need to put in your best effort even if you don't really appreciate what you're doing mm-hmm. because your work is going to be indicative of the quality sort of thing. Yes, and I think that was that was really good.
1: Yeah, totally. I think my favorite character arc was probably, or my favorite arc total. I mean, is when the when the new girl comes in. Oh yeah, um, Nanami. Yeah, who is basically like say and the fact that she is the really excited newbie, but without any of say's bad personality traits on the surface.
0: Yeah, she is just absolutely in love with the industry and everything and is so happy to do everything she can. Yes. say is sort of, like, willing to, like, ride on her popularity while Nanami always, like, undermines herself to make, you know, to, to put in her best effort. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is they actually picked a brand, they picked like a newbie VA for her. Oh, that's neat. So it sort of like doubly, uh, sort of doubles that up and that's
1: interesting. Well, she did a good job.
0: Yeah. And, uh, there's a, there's like a really understated sort of character arc with Momoka where uh-huh. she kind of like finally walks out from the, the shadows of her parents, her mother in particular as like, you know, a voice acting legend and having to take all these roles and like, Coming to be independent and deciding her own, you know, her own future. Yeah. Cause like by the, at the end of the series, she's like opening up like sort of like VA courses mm-hmm. for up and comers, like that sort of thing, like doing what she's interested in and teaching people the industry instead of always, you know, following what her mother did. Yeah. And even the producer, uh, Kuzu, gets like a little bit of arc. I mean, but it's very, it's very much like Cheeto
1: says. Yeah, I wouldn't call it an arc. It's like a, it's like a flat line. He gets a character to line. I guess so. Events happen. I kind
0: of, I, I kind of wish there were less moments with him because it is, it does end up just being like he's still, you know, he ran away from this job because someone from a job because someone was so much better than him as a producer. Mm-hmm. And it's made him like depressed and sort of complacent and sort of shitty. And he, he sort of kind of turns around just because of like a personal vendetta of like, no, I'm absolutely going to just like beat this guy at this industry. Yeah. Which is, is charming in its own way. I, I kind of wish there wasn't that scene with him at the, the, um, hostess club. Oh, why not? I don't, I just, I don't know. At least, or at least one of those shouldn't have been there. I just, it just felt like very, indulgent on a character that wasn't going to change enough and wasn't part of the main cast. Alright, maybe.
1: I, I think it was fine. Like, they need to... They need to do something with him. Yeah, no, they need to give him time to really talk about things and how he... like, what his perspective on things is. Because uh, he's so
0: fake the rest of the series, yes. basically. and he's
1: still fake even when he's talking to the hostess, but at least he's... <laughs> really... Uh, he's expressing his real opinions, I guess. And his real opinions are still yeah, like these... Even really, if
0: he's even if he's, like, sh- putting on this false bravado. Yeah, weird. even
1: if his real opinions are still like these vacant, plastic, happy, weird opinions. You know, that's... I guess that's the real... That was the real Kuzu all along. Yeah. If there's one thing Shirobaku and the series has taught me, it's that the... Pro- is that the producers are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Especially if they aren't uh in uh internal from the animation studio and they come from some higher production company that's the ones mm-hmm. you gotta watch out for
0: but uh yeah I just really like these characters and their interactions and who they are yes like um you you do get a sense that you know it it has reached the end of an arc mm-hmm. by the end of twelve episodes but there there's so much more that they can tell with it yeah. And the the dedication that this studio put into this show is commendable. There's all kinds of insert songs that they're performing and doing all kinds of stuff for. You know, the animation never really falters.
1: No, I don't think so either.
0: There's just there's, – there's so much effort putting into this to make it, like, real because they're doing all these, like, promo events and stuff and trying to, you know, really make it a – a look into the bigger part of voice acting and being a voice actor as, you know, as an industry. Yeah, Because they're doing all kinds of events and stuff. And it's, it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Even if it is like through the lens of a real, like, uh, critical eye. Yeah. Like both this and Shiro Baka are very like, um, character you know
1: they're very like dramatized yes but this is from a very different lens Mm -hmm. this is much more cynical i feel than shirobaku was that's a good thing
0: yeah Wataru watari i think if it were anyone else this would especially feel like someone just like ready to like cut ties with the entire (laughs) industry but i think Wataru watari loves what he does Mm -hmm. and just wants to tell stories of sort of like these these horrible people that maybe he's even had, like, personal experience with, and the ability for them to change.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know, like, Chirosei doesn't change. The ability to develop. Okay. I mean, that, 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 she does develop in some ways. That's what I like about it. Like, she learns her lesson, but she doesn't really learn...
0: It doesn't sacrifice her character.
1: No, it's more like she doesn't learn how to actually put that lesson to use.
0: Hmm. A little bit. I mean, she comes in, you know, she does apologize to everyone... And she sort of, like, you know, re- revitalizes herself. Yeah. But definitely doesn't take the bigger part of the lesson, which is, like, you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah. There's a great moment where the the day after she's just, like, too defeated to really do anything in the studio. Mm-hmm. The other five members of the cast are, like, hanging out in a park talking about her. And they just have – they're just, like, shit-talking her left and right. And then Yaya comes in and is, like – I like her for all those things, though. <laughs> like she's unapologetic, and you know she's she's exactly who she is. She doesn't feel like she needs to put on this character, and you know everyone else is like, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah. And, you know, it's like we wouldn't we wouldn't be nearly as having as much fun if Cheeto say weren't just such this like you know dominating force in the studio. And that's the thing is like she's a dominating friend, where yes. you know her her attitude will affect the others.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that in the show, we get to see a production just fall apart and fail spectacularly. Cause that's very different from Shirobako. Like we heard, we hear about Jiggly, like, Jiggly, Jiggly, Jiggly heaven. heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Being really terrible. And the fur that uh, like the Moe show, Moe action show they do at the start, is kind of a mess, but they make it work in the end. You know, mm-hmm. this show, like they really, they put a, a bad product in the end and, yeah. Life goes on. It's not. <laughs> Go ahead. That's it. You know, it just happens and they have to move on and they get a second season because sometimes things are just planned like that. Like how we're getting the second berserk season. I <laughs>
0: think it's just, it's just really uh, funny in a way that at the very end, Cheetah Say says also like telling, you know, basically echoing everyone's opinions. Like this fucking sucks. I don't get this story at all, but we are going to make it the best goddamn mess. Yeah. We
1: can. I'm glad that the that the author of the light novel gets his uh gets his spark back and wants to write more. I really feel for that guy.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and I think, you know, even making him like a a character in a way is like Yeah, I don't know. It was good. Yeah, it was I good. I liked it a
1: lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It it maybe spun its wheels a bit too much for my
1: tastes. Uh like
0: just in, in the end with like Cheetah State continues to get lower and lower, and I was expecting a faster turnaround in some direction or another.
1: Yeah, I can see that. There were definitely parts where I was thinking, "All right, what are we? What are we moving towards at this point? What are we? What's going on right now?" Yeah, but it worked out in the end, and we won.
0: I'm just sad that this like went under like everyone's radar.
1: I don't know. I'm looking at it on uh, my anime list right now, and it's got 40,000 40, 40, people watching it. No, that's not great, but that's, like, okay?
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. It also just feels like no one was talking about it. Yeah. I guess that is because if you're not familiar with who the author is, like I was to start, like, you might just think, oh, this is sort of like a, you know, this is whatever.
1: Yeah, but people love that kind of whatever stuff, so I don't... Why is it always when the whatever stuff is actually good? That's when people don't watch <laughs> it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh Ugh. Ugh it was good though yeah I'm, it was good I would I, w- I would be really happy
0: if another season of this came out mm-hmm. four years later and with a completely different studio and art style
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
0: oh last on the list last on the list uh Sangatsu no Lion March comes in like a lion March does come in like a lion as we'll find out in three months yeah so last time we had stopped in sort of the middle of an arc about Hinata and her crush on a baseball player at her school. Yes. And after kind of failing to make lunch for him, they and en- she ends up like inviting him out on a-, a date of sorts. And she's so scared that she asks Ray to come to come along with her. And then again gets too scared. Once it actually comes down to it, and runs away into the bathroom of their uh, the the McDonald's they're at, mm-hmm. and it, it becomes this this moment of talking to of uh, this guy talking to uh, Ray about how Ray is basically a professional, but still in school. Like he and he's basically had to give up school more or less, yeah, in order to continue his life. Like he can cont- he continually misses classes. He's basically barely scraping by in school. Yes. Uh, because he's got this job. And it's sort of, uh, the, the, the baseball player just kind of asks him why he does it and what he, what he gets out of it in a lot of ways.
1: And he, the answer is that he doesn't know.
0: Yeah, it's, it's this great sort of moment where he's, he's sort of disgustingly honest to someone. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. Um, like I may look collected from far away, but I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't really have, you know, the same sort of passion. It's sort of a thing I do to stay alive. Yeah. And there's, like, this mutual understanding between them about it that's really, like, nice and poignant. Mm -hmm. Which then leads to uh, the the baseball player following uh, both of them back to Hinata's house. So they can talk about, like, a, a shogi tournament that they saw um, they saw Ray in.
1: That's an awfully detailed recap.
0: Oh, man, I don't know how to make it smaller, though. I don't
1: know. Well, I don't know. It's pretty piecemeal. I think we can talk about, give a rough idea of what happened in all the episodes. Because yeah. I think a lot more, it feels like a lot more happened in the second half of the season than in the first half. The first half was all s- set up, and now all the pieces are starting to fall into place.
0: It's a lot more about, like, really expanding the characters now. Yeah. Oh, well, cause with the, with the tournament that they watch on videotape, we get this idea that, like, Bodoro has this, you know, he's, he's sort of, like, insufferable.
1: <laughs> he's insufferably inspirational.
0: <laughs> right. But, like, the whole thing is how much he, like, cares about Rey and really wants to see him as this rival and, you know, this equal. Yeah. And so, you know, like he's he's doing this whole thing where he has a freak out and like an asthma attack, basically on on TV, uh-huh. because he's getting so passionate about talking about how Ray needs to like better look after himself and get and it stuff.
1: together. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so there's that moment, and then Botero goes to you know goes to the girls' house and tries to teach them shogi
1: with Ray. Yeah, with and the- it turns out he's written this children's book, and he's drawn it too. He's a real talented kid.
0: Yeah, he's he's like, I wanted to teach everyone Shogi, and I don't think this is accessible enough for the average layman, so I made them all cute cat characters. Yeah. And I learned a lot more about Shogi thanks to it.
1: I skipped the cat parts, I'm not gonna lie.
0: That's fair. Um, they're not really necessary. No. And I think, in some ways, like it was fun that they did it for the, the, the episodes where it related, uh-huh. but one of them snuck their way in to, like a really poignant character episode, and that's where it got a little weird.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And so, like, you know, one way or another, that that happened.
1: Yeah, following up on, like, us finding out that Ray doesn't really know why he does Shogi, that it's just sort of all he has, we get more of his backstory, and we find out that his parents died when he was pretty young. Like, I want to oh, say- Oh, no, we
0: learned it. We already did this one. What? We already did this bit. No. This definitely already happened.
1: Are you sure? That was episode five. Okay, that's weird.
0: But that does come up um, more because there is a there is a moment with his where they, he kind of gets backstory in his father. Where like the the times that he really felt in connection with his father is when he did like something really good in shogi because he would always practice with his dad. And if his dad needed to like really think about a move, he knew that he had done well and that he had sort of like satisfied his father. Yeah. Like, not that his father looks at it that way, but that's how he looks at it. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a, a surprise visit from his um, adopted sister, uh, Kyoko. And she's more or less there just to kind of ruin his life. Yeah,
1: she is the worst person of all time.
0: It's, it's, and I, you know, it, it plays into what we talked about last time where it's like, you know, it she, she was like this when they were living together. And now that she's found out where he lives... Mm-hmm. She's sort of, like, continuing that in a way. Like, there's a bit about how, like, her her new boyfriend or whatever is, like, a, like, a, a thug of some kind. Like, maybe part of, like, a small gang or something.
2: Maybe. But, like,
0: definitely, like, punched out um, Ray at one point. Yeah. And so she's just kind of, like, this overbearing person in Ray's life that just kind of reminds him of all the bad things about him growing up. And so she, like, forces... She more or less forces herself to, you know, forces him to let her stay the night Mm -hmm. because he's, he is such a passive person that he can't possibly say no. Right. And there is, there is a sense of like, maybe he thinks he, you know, he can fix something. Yeah. But he can't. Um, And Kyoko basically ends this whole visit by saying like, oh, so you have a match against this old guy, uh, Shoichi, tomorrow, Right. Oh, they say if he loses this one, he's going to give up Shogi forever, and it would really suck to end a person's career, wouldn't it? Like, just absolutely trying to, like, psych him out and basically, like, ruin him. Yes. In her own sort of, like, terrible way.
1: And she does this more than once. Like, she does this back-to-back.
0: Because it comes up again, because then he has the match with the old man. And the old man, he he does feel the sort of, like, sympathy for him until the old man basically is, like, a big baby. (laughs) Like in the match, he's like, basically trying to do like, you know, childish sort of like, uh, fake out tactics Mm -hmm. and stuff. And he's like reading everything on his face. And when he's praying before the match, he's like, Oh, I just kind of want to go home. (laughs) But if I could win too, that's all right. And like, he sort of is dragged along by this old man like, Oh, you beat me, you're gonna pay for my drinks as I have my last day in Shogi. And so there's the, you know, there, there's this really overbearing part with him where he's just like, ah, oh, kids these days, blah, blah, blah. And when he, they finally finish their like bar run and he's really drunk, there's this, there's this talk that they have about how this old man who spent, you know, 50 something years or, you know, or something like that, a long time in shogi, he still doesn't really know why he does it either. Yeah. Because he's not great at no, shogi. He's not. He's kind of okay. And the whole thing is about, like, every time he loses, he's just devastated. And he wonders why he puts up with it. But every time he wins is such an exhilarating thrill that he couldn't possibly imagine doing anything else, like, with his free time. Yeah. And so both of them – both Ray – Ray comes to this realization that, like, oh, even this person who's been so deep into it doesn't really know why he's doing it. Maybe it's okay that I don't either. I don't need to have an answer.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is really good. And then the old man sort of, like, rekindles a resolve to to play Shogi. And there's this point where Kyoko calls up Rei and is like, so I heard you won. Pretty sad about that old man, huh? Mm-hmm. And Ray just, like, shuts her down completely. Like, no, he's gonna keep playing Shogi. And I've sort of found, you know, I've sort of found a place in life. And she's just, like, so shocked by the fact that her tactic didn't work and it's it's a really nice moment because it's like yes the the villain doesn't win uh-huh but also this this really uh, affirmative bit where it's like where it it's like it's okay not to know where you're headed you know that that sort of like confirmation that it, sometimes it's okay to not have everything planned out
2: right
1: yeah
0: which is really nice mm-hmm.
1: uh then there's two more episodes there is his sister pulls it again in the next episode, she again tries to like psych him out by saying that the uh his ray's next opponent is a guy who's like gets really sad and drinks heavily whenever he loses and his wife can't really take that, so they're getting a divorce oh
0: yeah that whole thing yeah, and like oh you know this is the last time he's gonna see his daughter uh because she's you know because of custody or whatever yeah and that's And again, like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, she's the worst. Like,
0: it's not great, it's not great that this guy is, like, sort of like an angry drunk, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but also to, like, put this insurmountable pressure on him to sort of force him to lose at Shogi just because of sort of the, that dynamic he brought into her life is so, like, unacceptable. Yeah,
1: she's a real little shit. And when they were kids, she abused him too, right? Yeah, I think there's a, there's a heavy
0: implication of that. Yeah. And so there's this, there's this moment where, Ray tries to sort of make up for it by, like, after he beats this person, this person leaves without the gift he has for his daughter. Yeah. You know, as, like, a final goodbye. And he tries to give it back to him, and he's just so adamant that it's not his and kind of, like, fuck you, Ray, sort of thing. You ruined my day. Mm-hmm. Kind of going on. And it's this really, really good um moment with Ray where he finally sort of lets out all the emotions that he he's bottled love, like he he has these moments with the family where he's like really cheery and starts to feel that familial warmth Mm -hmm. but this one is one where he gets to really indulge in sort of his anger right and it's a it's a really good scene where he's just like in the middle of a park yelling about how it's not it's not ray's fault at any point that this happened yes it's the fact that this other guy doesn't take it seriously and if you're not going to take it seriously you basically like shut up and go home mm-hmm. and it's it, it it's a good it's a really good moment for his character
1: it's a, yeah that was i thought that was a really good scene probably the best scene in the show so far and it really i don't want to immediately tie back to a bad thing but it really made me realize just how like awful and poorly written those breakdown scenes from re:zero were because this felt very human it was so connected to everything
0: yeah because at the very end he's also like you know i keep saying i don't have a reason to fight but i clearly do it's to not Mm -hmm. lose so you know there is there is a there is a connection there
1: and you can just like you can feel the build-up of this like you can feel this has been building up and there's a like there's not really a a good reason for it to suddenly come up it just happens because it's become too much it's it's a good little moment in the way that I think, and I know, in a lesser series, it wouldn't have been.
0: Yeah, and it's it's just, ah, man, that's a really good moment. And it's like, it comes, it's not like it's out of nowhere. It comes after at least two matches where the reason that the other person lost is because they're just not taking it as seriously as they need to. Mm -hmm. And so it does feel earned of like, he's had this pent up thing since, you know, even before this, and he finally gets to let it out. Yeah. And then the New Year's episode is, uh, charming.
1: Yeah, that was cute.
0: There's, there, it's, it's got its very cute moments, but it also has its very, like, contemplative moments of what, you know, what the year end means and what it means to kind of move forward. hmm. That's very just like, I don't know. The thing about this is, even when it's, like, its humor is sometimes not great, it still, like, has this very, like, important spot in the story, and it's trying to, like, you know it's trying to tell you something about these characters and how they cope cuz all of these characters are coping with something yes i i really like the character of this yeah even if the writing doesn't always stick it's always like these characters are really powerful and interesting mhm
1: it's really a nice series i especially like the the message of the end of, of the of the final episode which was basically Oh, you don't always have to do something for other people. Sometimes just being there is help enough. And they, yeah. no one ever explicitly says that. But the um like Akari says, you know, that Ray doesn't have to feel bad because she had to take care of him while he was sick. He was she was just glad that he was there because otherwise she would have been all alone. And that probably wouldn't have been a, a good time.
0: Yeah, especially on New Year's when everyone else is going to sleep early. Like, I'm, I'm cleaning up on my own this thing I used to do with, you know, my mother and grandmother. And so the, the loneliness is just overbearing in that case. So it's, yeah, it's just, I don't know, those are really good moments. Yeah. Um, you know what was also really good about that episode that I'd almost forgotten about? What? So we talked before about how, like, the way that the, like daylight o- is overbearing for Ray mm-hmm. and how well the direction does that. When he's sick, I feel like it does that even better. Like the, the way he's sort of like in this delirious haze and like, he's trying to take care of himself, but just absolutely can't because of so much effort. Yeah. Like they, they add these like fog effects and they have this very like surrealist sort of color thing going over it
1: no music during the scene either i'm pretty sure
0: yeah and he talks about how hard it is to move as like uh water ripples go across the screen like everything plays into sort of this like overbearing feeling of just like being weighed down yeah and it's just uh, i the direction is so on point i feel for this series
1: yeah for the most part i think so too
0: like there is a lot of shaft in it Mm -hmm. and it does seem like shaft was a really weird choice for the sort of like in a lot of ways, understated character drama. Yeah. That's true. But a lot of its a lot of its gimmicks do play into sort of the like play into how these emotions change, like all the different imagery and stuff that they use and the weird, you know, the weird styles that they do.
1: Yeah. I feel like this show never comes up short. Like whenever it does something that I don't like, it's because they actively went for something and they just didn't it just didn't connect in a way that it was supposed mm-hmm.
0: to. Yeah. It's just oh, it's such a good show. Yeah, it's though. really good. I'm, I'm really happy to have picked this up. Like after hearing good things about the manga, like I can see why people like this so much. There's so much character to it. There's so much there. There's so many relatable feelings to it. Mm-hmm. It's sort of um, it like it, it the way it does the its drama feels a lot like some of the best shows that I feel have handled that, like a year Lie year lion, April kind of thing. Like I just feel these characters very deeply. Okay. And I and I feel like I can relate to all of them in different ways.
2: Yeah, totally.
0: Whew. And that's the anime for this season. Mm-hmm. We ended with some really strong shows. Um and some and some big surprises. I think Girlish Number was definitely a surprise, at least to start. Yes. And that ended up really well. you you know, March comes in like a lion is pretty good. It's it's got this really strong sense to it. And, like, even the stuff that isn't as great, like, Flip Flappers still has these fantastic moments to it that are worth, like, kind of recommending. Yeah. It's good. And this was a good season for emotional stuff, I feel. Like, a lot of the big shows we got out of it weren't, like, all the comedies and sort of, like, just, like, action stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's just, like, very personable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, especially like yeah, like Natsume You have your March comes in like a lion. Uh, The more poignant moments, like Girlish Number Amu has it there. Like it's just ah, it's good. It was a it's a good season for that sort of character drama stuff. Yeah, yeah. We've gone on for a while though, and it's probably time that we wrap up this episode. All right. In a couple weeks' time or so, we will be releasing our AOD cast. So, if you want to send in your own top five or your opinions on the year or any of the shows that you want read on the air, uh, send an email to chorpsawaysa at gmail.com. That's chorpsawaysa at gmail.com. And you can also find us on all your favorite podcast listening uh, services like iTunes and uh, Google Play Music and Stitcher under the name Coco Disaster. Uh, you can find our site at cocodisaster.com which uh, occasionally has a little extra information. Like if you just want to know what shows we're looking into for the for the preview episodes, I have those listed and I have all the different other anime we've listed on there as well, as a quick reference. And from there, you can access all the other information. You can get our mailing address if you, you know, if I don't speak clearly enough for that. It's got all the links to our different places, like our SoundCloud as well. And yeah, you can check us out there. But now...
1: It's time for us to check out.
0: Yeah. So, I've been chorps Away.
1: And I've been Jordan.
0: And this has been Coco Disaster. See you in a couple weeks for our AOD show.
1: Sweet dreams.